Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to take a rich, proud culture brought low by hundreds of years of genocide and imperialism and distill it into a series of cheap costumes, cliches, and punchlines for a family film. That's right, it's Grunt Work Appropriation. wide shot of Santa Monica uh, Pier, where oh. uh, lovers are twirling around the the uh, uh, Ferris wheel, and uh, like hot, hot bodies are rollerblading up and down the strand, unbeknownst to them that uh, overlaid on top of them are the names Truman Caps and Landon Solano, in a, starring in, a- in Grunt Work. The podcast and, and the font. I just want to say that our names are overlaid in is the goofiest, <laughs> silliest font. I'm thinking the S in caps is backwards, and oh, wow. and like like the O in Solano has like a yellow dot in the middle of it or something, as though a kid has been daubing at it with paint. Oh, okay, it's kind of. I think uh, Kindergarten Cop does a very similar title sequence. And this movie is very much like if. If the lab where they grew Kindergarten Cop, if there was a prototype of it that didn't quite work, like one of the latter clones of uh, of the guy in Multiplicity wearing a boot on its head. Uh, uh, yes, we are here. Uh, Grunt Work is a podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. And uh, since we have concluded season four, uh, we are here bringing you a bonus episode. Uh, maybe as a surprise to you guys, maybe not. We kind of talked about it. We've mentioned it. it. We never confirmed it. We are uh, covering Man of the House, starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas, his first ever um, on-screen leading role. We're not counting uh, Lion King King from the year before. This is uh, happening in 1995, the summer between season four and season five. Yeah, man, the summer that America learned to love one Marsha Clark and her poodle perm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, I... I, you know, I I don't know. This movie has kind of rendered me speechless, guys. It's, I I agree. Do you have a personal history with this movie at all? Have you seen it? I didn't know this movie existed until you started yammering about really? it on our podcast. I like I I knew Lion King and I knew yeah. I was aware of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. This movie missed my shit totally. <laughs> I did not know it was out there. And yeah. oh lord, <laughs> uh, this movie was exactly. Um, you know, I'm. Let's see. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is playing eleven year, uh, eleven or twelve years old in this movie. Well, he says he's ten at the beginning, and then they say he's eleven later on in the movie. So I guess he has a birthday I get, over the course perhaps, of two yeah. months. I mean, there's a lot of questions about how much time passes in this episode, but or in this uh, movie. But um, yeah, so roughly ten to twelve. Let's just say yeah. in that range, and uh, that was certainly where I was in my life when this movie came out. Uh, so I, I definitely caught it in the theaters. So uh, and and you were there in the theaters, like I identify with this. This is me. <laughs> Every is aspect of life. this movie, uh, it just speaks to my soul, my spirit, if you will. Yes, your spirit, your your wind flute playing. Well, I mean, I, I I have to admit there are. I mean, there are a bunch of Italians in the movie who are rendered, I think, with such respect for Italy and the culture <laughs> of Italy and and its uh, you know and the Italian American experience. Uh-huh. Very and respectful, of yeah. course. You know, that's the most egregious. Uh, of the the 
Yeah. <laughs> I would, uh, insensitivity toward other cultures. I would say so, yes. Italians are generally considered white, so being disrespectful to them is what's worse. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they there is a scene where there are gangsters in a car with pizza in one hand and a gun in the other. <laughs> oh, I was like, uh, that was that was straight out of The Sopranos. I, I kind of didn't even realize it. Yeah, it's like they forgot, like, okay, people might not realize these are Italians. What can we do? I mean, it was either, I think the outtake was the, like a big old bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> the, the trunk is full of spicy, spicy meatballs. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Leonardo, Deca- uh, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, Vitruvian man <laughs> is in the backseat. We, we certainly don't need to belabor the offensive Italian stereotypes when this is really just a smattering, a smorgasbord of, uh, of bad. What, what is the culture that isn't uh, up on display here uh, yeah. for for all to see you know again there were no disses on scandinavian people so once yeah. again my my okay. tribe comes out okay uh it's pretty see. pretty uh vacant on russian and japanese surprisingly yeah yeah no no jokes about godzilla or anything like that uh let's see i didn't no slams on jewish people so that was surprising yeah. but also no jewish representation as far as i could tell Tr- true true although you know i mean based on the way i don't s- Okay. I don't see a lot of movies with Native Americans in them. Like, yeah. generally, Native Americans aren't well represented in movies. This movie Period. went yes. so far as to have a Native American character in it playing a lawyer, and then still, oh God. Yeah. Still did, it's, so it's I think one of those where I had to question the conversations he had to have with, uh, you know, the the Native American communities after his appearance. Here. I think, so I guess what I'm saying is I think that the absence of Jewish people in the movie is really the best thing they could have done <laughs> for the Jewish people as a whole. And truthfully, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, oof. Okay, let, actually, let's take this moment to, to discuss for a second. This is a problematic movie on many, many, many levels. Uh, and, and, and oh, I am going to try my absolute best to, uh, you know, be as respectful as possible. You know, I will be mentioning things that the movie disrespects, that the movie posits as, you know, uh, politically correct, which is a term they actually use a number of times throughout it's the so, film. It's so weird. Um, it's but so weird. We, we, I want to be especially clear that we are, you know, trying to... Thread a needle. We have to talk about the insensitivity while also being respectful of these cultures, and you know, it's my intention to to stay on that track and do that because it certainly like I don't mean to disrespect anybody. Yeah, and I don't think this movie meant to disrespect anybody either. It just well, did. neither did Song it, of the South. I that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> they are like, nah, this is fine, right? This is fine. They even go so far as to like explain at a couple different points, like I get it, but it's okay because we're doing it for the lulls. Like yeah. that's really it. Um, I, so, I mean, I don't know, how, how do we, how, how do you, what do you say about a movie like Man of the House? Yeah, well, I figure, okay, we're gonna give a little synopsis, uh, I'm gonna give a little synopsis, and then we'll go into the deep dive of this thing. Oh, okay. Just to kind of give people uh, a roadmap of where we're going, because it's not always apparent when you're, uh, knee-deep in the, in the shit. Let's just say it. Yeah, we were in Vietnam for this. (laughs) This was the shit. (laughs) Um, This was my Da Nang. Oh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays a kid, uh, a single he, he, child. He usually did. He, not, not a lot of versatility in the 90s. He was always playing kids. <laughs> he played a lion the year before, so okay, give right. me a break, man. Uh, a, lion, a lion kid. 
Um, he plays a only child whose uh, father left him, yep. and his mother, played by Farrah Fawcett, uh, wants to remarry. Who does she want to remarry? Chevy Chase. Questionable choice. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't make any goddamn lick of sense. But looking at and those, I two. know we I just have so I'm many sorry. questions. Sorry. Um, uh, however. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT, he has been burned by men so many times in his life that he does not want to give this guy a chance. He's he, burned once. You burned. <laughs> once and forever. Yeah. And uh, so he wants to get rid of Chevy Chase as, as quickly as possible and forever and permanently as possible. That means death. He's going to kill him in yeah. his sleep. Yeah. And I actually don't put that past <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character in this because uh, he knows a lot about death. Th- this this kid really feeds into our Jonathan Taylor Thomas serial killer theory from, <laughs> from Home Improvement. Uh, which makes me question his absence uh, all those many years. He said he was going to Harvard, but... Uh, I don't know. I think he was <laughs> living down in Miami working as a blood splatter analysis Ooh. and splattering some blood of his own. Um, uh, one of the ways that Jonathan Taylor Thomas wants to get rid of Chevy Chase is uh, by embarrassing him by joining a group of what they call Indian guides. Let's, I mean, well, let's just call I mean, we can, I think, uh, call them Indian guides. Okay, because that's we what can. the movie, that's what the text is telling us it's called, is Indian yeah, guides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a Native American troop of white people, uh, boys and their fathers, uh, wear wearing head, headdresses. Wear, and, wear headdresses and engage in, uh, quote-unquote Native American rituals. Quote, very thick, I'm gonna put bold and italicis on, uh, on those quotes. Yeah, the uh, quotes are bigger than the words. <laughs> uh, this doesn't go according to plan, uh, Chevy, uh, is also pursued by some gangsters, uh, from, he, he's a lawyer. And, uh, a U.S. attorney who put away a, a mob boss for 50 years. Yeah, and that mob boss's son wants him dead, so uh, they're constantly on his trail. Um, and shenanigans happen. They they fall in love with the tribe. The tribe saves them. And, uh, you know, they become a happy family in yeah. the process. Not yeah. only the friends they made along the way, but a literal family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the eyes of the law, at least. And the Lord. Yeah, and the Lord. It, it does seem like a... And the spirit animal mountain gods or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, I think the one thing that you didn't mention in your synopsis, which was otherwise great, is the star of the film, uh, one George Went. Uh, Norm. Norm. I, I, we were watching the opening credits and Landon told me as they were going on, he said, oh, Truman, oh, there's someone you're going to be really excited about in this. And I'm like, okay, I, cause again, I do zero research for this yeah. podcast. I do not try. <laughs> but then we, and the names were going across the screen, Chevy Chase, no reaction, Farrah Fawcett, no reaction, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, no reaction. I mean, cause I knew they were in it. Richard Portnoy. Oh man. Yeah. I'm a big port head. <laughs> Love, I love me port st- now. Sorry, port now. Oh, well, I'm still a port head. Uh, <laughs> no, he just completely stone faced. Then we get after all of the credits go by, and George went. I, I think maybe it's just in his contract now that it's like you want me in a movie, you have to put my name last, followed <laughs> by and. I think he's earned the and at that point. Oh, you earned it after 11 years of service on Cheers. And this is right <laughs> after Cheers. Like, this is yes. fr- this is him catapulting himself headlong into a film career. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, even even at the, the darkest times <laughs> in the movie, even when George Wendt is on screen doing things that I'm really not 
agreeing with from yeah. my from my uh, PC liberal soy boy perspective. I'm still like. <laughs> But it's George Went. Like, I'm, I'm picturing George Went, like, looking at the script between takes and being like, oh boy. Oh, jeez. Oh, why didn't they write me into Frasier? Oh, God. Uh, so, I don't know. I, for, I forgive George Went for this. Yeah, it's certainly not on him. I think he does what he can with the part. I, I would oh, yeah. say that of everybody, kind of. I don't think any anybody is going out of their way to be no. problematic. No, I wouldn't no say there's. I'd say a lot of them are phoning it in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Chevy Chase is absolutely phoning it in. Yeah. I like Jonathan Taylor Thomas well enough, but I think he's performed better on Home Improvement. George Went, though, you, I mean, that, you always get, you always get 110%. <laughs> because George Went's whole thing is he's a likable guy. And you know what? I liked him. Even yeah. Even when he's wearing a huge Native American headdress going, hey, how are ya? Hey, how oh, are ya? And God. I'm like, ooh, that, no one else could pull that off. Kelsey Grammer couldn't pull that off, but George Went. Yeah, I don't even know that he pulled it off, but he did it. He pulled it off as much as one could. <laughs> I, what I really wish he'd pulled off had been the headdress and said, guys, maybe let's be like a cowboy-themed father-son troupe, because yeah. that's at least more in line with our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although many cowboys were also Native American. The point is, <laughs> the movie opens, unless you and have Hispanic. some... And Hispanic. And Hispanic, yes. Yeah. Uh, do, do, we, do, we have any, do you have any more preamble? Do you have anything you want to say going into this? Uh, no, let's just tear it apart. Okay, because well, I mean, unless you want to do personal reflections, I did not like the movie. I, I I liked parts of this movie in spite of everything I'm saying. There were moments. I had, I I had moments. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are little, <clears throat> little like again, wheat and chaff, etc. Uh, you know, the panning for gold. There's nuggets in here, and yeah. we'll call them out as we see them. We open on we a beautiful shot of a bay in some fucking Is town, it San Francisco. Nope, nope. Is it Seattle? Well, it nope. It wants us to think it is. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, it says no. The like the opening shot when Chevy Chase is in court, mm-hmm. it says like Federal Courthouse, Seattle, Washington. Well, it does say Seattle? Yeah. yeah, and all the cars have Washington plates. My but... God, I did research on this throughout the entire movie. Landon, <laughs> it said it. It was on screen. I, I even almost mentioned like because it's so we get this opening shot of yeah. of, of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's as a kid waving goodbye to his shitty deadbeat dad as he drives away with his secretary and then whatever we when we finally get a shot <laughs> it's just a big plot point that comes up a number of times throughout the movie he gets even with dad okay but everyone knows what movie this is <laughs> but the, it's the, the the first shot in like the movie's quote-unquote present day is of, of chevy chase in the courthouse but it's this exterior shot of the courthouse yeah. and it's like it, like a lower third like chiron on screen federal courthouse seattle washington like it's a law and order episode and we need to know where we are <laughs> Let's go through this opening montage. Okay. Jonathan Taylor Thomas waves goodbye to his father and his secretary. Yeah. Uh, and uh, goes back inside the house. Now, we also got to mention, <clears throat> this isn't JTT. No. This is young JTT. Yes. I.e. JTT at age nine? <laughs> Ten? Uh, and they have a younger actor playing an already extremely young actor. Well, I mean, because he's supposed to be like five when this happens, and he's like ten in the rest of the movie. Like, a lot happens between okay. five and ten. This isn't like a twenty... This isn't like a 35-year-old playing a 30-year-old. <laughs> like, this is literally like... All right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. But they have a little kid... Very fine. ...playing who's supposed to be JTT. And yeah, so his dad is left... He goes inside. Secretary. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett is crying her eyes out. She's upset over uh, her husband leaving her. Uh, and and her son. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, oh yeah. Her son didn't leave her. Her yeah. husband left her. And meanwhile, we get uh, JTT's uh, voiceover explaining yeah. what we're seeing. Yeah, which is basically Dad left the secretary, said he needs someone to answer all his phone calls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Um, I want to I want to point out two things. A, right after Dad leaves, uh, the kid and Ben and Farrah Fawcett, Sandy, as we we learn her name is Sandy, like forty five minutes into the movie. My entire notes list them as Farrah, Chevy, and JTT. So uh, <laughs> that's what I will be referring to them as. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I think. And my, then of my, course, Norm. Norm. Well, I was calling George Wentz character Norm until it turns out that George Wentz kid is named Norm, which. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm I'm only upset because now I can't cast George <laughs> Went in a movie and have him have a kid named Norm. Uh, so, But you can have him na- have a, a gnome named Norm. <laughs> I or, or I could have him be Norm of the North. Ooh. But I don't know. Any, okay. any of those are options. So, <laughs> but, uh, so two things. Uh, him, uh, Ben, and, and Farrah Fawcett sitting in the living room consoling one another after Dad leaves. They have yeah. a picture window with an absolutely beautiful view of the bay and whatever the fuck town this is. <laughs> so I've just noticed, okay, that's a really nice view. They have a really nice house. Yeah. The other thing I just want to point out now, just uh-huh. so we have it out of the way, Farrah Fawcett. I don't know how old she is in this. She looks great. <laughs> she I, looked great until, yeah, she passed away. Oh shit! I forgot she died. Now I feel well. Actually, I can know. I mean, I cel- I'm celebrating her in life. I don't know. I guess this is just a you know. I know this is a controversial opinion. Farrah Fawcett is attractive. I, you know, this woman widely regarded as one of the most attractive women of the '70s and '80s. <laughs> yeah, she's really good looking. Yeah, she has great hair. Beautiful. She exudes a warmth. Yes. I don't think she's a particularly great actress. Maybe not. But there's a a, a genuine warmth that comes from her that you could tell she, you know. It's just a natural talent. Yeah, she's she's really she's just likable. She's like a really sexy George Wendt. You know, you just you just <laughs> like her as soon as you see her, and maybe a certain amount of that is because she's attractive. Yeah, but I don't know. The movie tries really hard to make us question that at times uh, with some of the choices that are being made. Yes, but uh, we'll we'll get into that in due time. Yeah, um, <clears throat> they decide after uh, after Papa was a Rolling Stone to <laughs> um, to start over. Yeah, they they are moving into a. A new small loft apartment. A, a deluxe uh, apartment in the Heights. On small. Yeah. Emphasis on uh, apartment. And uh, JTT says it was gross. A it gross was, apartment. It was pretty gross at first. It was an amazing apartment. It, it, it With I, a rooftop that overlooks the entire bay. Seemingly a private rooftop. Yeah. It's got, like, it's this, you know, vast space with, like, there's a, like, lofted bedroom or something. It's, there's these pillars in it. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, this today, I would. It was just, it was unfinished. It was like, you, you had painted uh, brick that was showing through, you know, that, and a, and a fireplace and just, it was an open layout is all. Which people it's, would it's what you would find. Yeah. You would find any number of, uh, uh, you know, app companies seeking out this sort of space for their uh, open layout um, office plan. Yeah, as soon as they walked in, I almost expected someone to come up and offer them a LaCroix or some kombucha. and, ha- and have- Come up on the Segway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, have a seat in one of our really hard stools at this counter while you wait for your interview. Um so yeah, so they've they've moved into and then she builds a rooftop playground like on the rooftop she puts a swing set and everything for yep. him up there. Uh, his mom is an artist and a court reporter uh, or like a court sketch artist, yep. um, which we don't learn until the next scene. But yeah, well I you know I'm skipping ahead. I'm giving yep. a little taste, and I have to say though I will give the, I I do give the movie credit. They're not so I married an axe murderer ing this where it's like the main character is a beat poet. And he lives in this beautiful apartment. It's like, at least they show what she does. Yeah, I'm just surprised she's able to afford uh, this gross-ass apartment on whatever she makes as an artist. Uh, She must be a pretty good artist. Something that isn't 
quite demonstrated. Yeah. Uh, I noticed I mean, later she's working on art but... later in the film. Uh, her idea of art is to take a big fish that hangs on a wall and add some sort of steampunk gears to its head. And at one point, she and Chevy Chase are walking around an art gallery where she's going to be doing her first art show. Something that seems like it would have been a plot point in the movie that then does not come up. But, uh, and I'm looking at her art and thinking, like, yeah, this is all objectively bad. This is crappy I, art. I, I have quite that's, it's a scene coming up really quickly, so I, I have questions about that. We'll get there in a second. Let's get through this opening montage. Uh, the other big part that, uh, we have to make note of is that, uh, something that, um, Farrah Fawcett and JTT do for fun and to yeah. bond is to walk up and down um, the shore yeah. and pick up things to make this collage inside of uh, their apartment, their gross, awful, uh, disgusting close to, apartment. You know, poverty-stricken apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, which this gross apartment that, by the way, seems to be in the middle of a very trendy neighborhood in downtown. <laughs> Uh, Nega, Seattle. Uh, also, during one of their walks, or like, there's also during this montage a scene of of them on the beach with with one of her boyfriends, one of Farrah's other boyfriends. Ah, yes, and, flying a kite. Yeah, like, and and they're talking. About, she dated some other guys, but they were all jerks. And it's just this guy running along trying to fly a kite, and the kite isn't taking off. And he's like smiling and laughing, and they're watching him. And then just he trips a, and falls, having a good time trying to impress uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That's uh, not jerk behavior. Yeah, it's yeah, not, it's jerk, not a jerk at all. This guy, JTT, has some wildly out of whack opinions about men. If, if not being able to fly a kite makes you a jerk, the biggest jerk of all time is a man named Charlie Brown. <laughs> he cannot date Farrah Fawcett. Also, a bit of trivia about this uh, kite flyer. Yeah. Uh, uncredited cameo by one of Farrah Fawcett's exes, <gasps> Ryan O'Neill. Uh, oh. Yeah, from Paper Moon, from wow. uh, Barry Lyndon, from uh, any number of amazing uh 70s movies and here he is barefoot in the park is that one i think so is that yeah. robert redford mm, I th- actually no i think it's robert redford yeah. and barefoot in the park wow from barry linden to i keep forgetting what this movie is called so i just keep wanting to say it's called getting even with dad <laughs> getting even with the house yeah <laughs> because man of the house is a tommy lee jones movie about him protecting a bunch of cheerleaders from the mob i wonder if that's a buena vista movie oh. uh or put on one of their kind of sub labels uh it was a so sub. that they could hide the fact that this movie exists yeah yeah it was like it was a smoke screen yeah like, hey, exactly hey tommy lee jones and some pretty girls forget about that other one with the native american <laughs> stuff um so yeah she started dating again they were all jerks they're making a collage of stuff from the beach but then five years later just when they've picked up all the pieces <laughs> uh she wants to get married again yeah. to a guy by the name of clark griswold <laughs> Who just got back from his vacation <laughs> and is fletching all over the place. Okay, and I have I immediately have questions about this relationship, but uh, want to just sum this up by saying um, that we conclude Jonathan Taylor's uh, uh, Taylor Thomas's. Yeah, what what Jonathan Taylor are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Can you dig it? Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, him saying after she says that she wants to get married again, I'll never understand women. And I just, like, immediately was like, oh, are we going to channel Tim throughout this whole movie? I really don't want to go there. In, in a, you, The spirit of Tim Taylor is kind of hovering over this it, movie. It really it's is. Like, I feel like Tim Allen should get, a, a like, a credit, like, at least a special thanks to for, like, kind of informing the vibes. <laughs> yeah. oh, so we go from this opening montage and uh, voiceover to uh, court. Yes. Where, um, Federal Courthouse, Seattle, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> we have a... Uh, a uh, mobster that is being put away for 50 years uh, 
for narcotics. Uh, convicted on trafficking in narcotics. Yes. And the prosecutor putting him away is none other than Chevy Chase. I don't. And this is my note here. I don't buy Chevy Chase as Harvey Dent because that's what <laughs> this scene is, is very close to the scene yeah. in The Dark Knight with Aaron Eckhart, like, putting the guy away. And he's this tough prosecutor who's not scared of the mob. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it was a hard sell. It, it it was a hard sell. Also, I just, just you know, point of order, which is a, a thing that gets used a lot in this movie. <laughs> Not aware there's a really strong Cosa Nostra Italian mob in Seattle, Washington. I'm not saying there's no crime there. Yeah. I'm just saying not in Seattle. <laughs> well, the fact that you have never seen one maybe means that there's the best one ever there. So you're saying you're saying that the mafia is like the ninjas of Italy, basically? <laughs> you, if you can't see them, that's how you know they're there. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All I right. mean, what what good is organized crime if you are operating in the light of the law? I well, I suppose you're right. Although in Japan, their organized crime, the yakuza, actually have like legally sanctioned offices and stuff, and they do operate in the light of the law. So True. different country. I no no. It all counts. We're all we're all one community. We're all one on this earth. Uh, uh, but this is where we we see Farrah Fawcett as the uh, courtroom sketch artist. Um, the guy gets uh, sentenced. Yes, the mobster, and then he gives this very thinly veiled threat. Uh, thanking uh, the prosecutor for a fair trial, and of course, you know, wish him, uh, you know, nothing but uh, non-broken legs moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. As he's pulled away, uh, we are introduced to his son, played yes. by Richard Portnow, uh, who is the quintessential uh, gangster bad guy from all of these children's movies uh, that I watched <laughs> growing up. I-, I feel like there's two tiers of of Italian-American guys who always play gangsters. There's the ones who are in movies like Kindergarten Cop and this movie <laughs> and Cop and a Half, and then there's ones who are in Goodfellas, Sopranos, Casino. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to point out a few yeah. that he's in. Give, give it to me. Uh, Sister Act. He yeah, plays... Yep, yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, a movie I just watched the other night, coincidentally, Heart and Souls with Robert Downey Jr. No, not seen it. Oh, my God. That's an amazing movie uh, where... Okay. Charles Grodin... Tom Sizemore, uh, is it Kira Sedgwick? And, um, uh, oh my god, what's her name? Alfred Woodard? Is that her? I can't remember her name. They all die in a bus accident, and then their ghosts are attached to Robert Downey Jr. to fulfill their last wishes before they descend to heaven, or Mm -hmm. ascend to heaven. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Richard Portnow plays a gangster in that movie, uh, that stole some, uh, stamps from a little kid. (laughs) <laughs> uh <laughs> of course we have man of the house uh he was in seven. Oh, that's not a kid's movie but uh, hardly unless you're, <laughs> unless you're a really fucked up kid unless you're unless you're uh, uh unless you're randy taylor <laughs> uh he was in bogus uh and many many twins yeah I, he was probably a gangster in twins twins is the sort of movie that needed a yeah. a chop like, shop owner okay Wait, oh, as the guy who owns it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's like when you need when you need a greasy guy who immediately you know is a criminal based on some outmoded cultural stereotypes, uh, <laughs> look no further. Uh, Beethoven, the dog movie with Charles Grodin. I'm sure there, yeah. We, anyway. Hey, we got to put out a hit on this Beethoven. <laughs> this dog is getting too big. <laughs> anyway, uh, he was a, definitely a, a, the face of evil in my childhood. This dog ate all our gabagool. <laughs> Uh, now I should also say though that the 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 kingpin who gets sentenced is uh, you know he he's 
thanking Chevy Chase very sarcastically for it, but he gets sentenced to 50 years in a prison in Sheridan, Oregon, and let me just say, you know, there's worse places to spend 50 years of your life, so I really (laughs) would be thanking Chevy Chase in that case. Because if you escape from prison, you can shop sales tax-free. I have to imagine that the bigger gangster you are and the smaller prison you're in, the more likely you're going to run that place real quick. Yeah, yeah. And and Oregonians being as polite and demure as they are, I'm sure everyone will be like, oh, I, yes, of course, Mr. Portnoy, yes, right away. <laughs> well, this isn't Portnoy, but Mr. Portnoy's father. I don't know. Uh... Yeah, so anyway, these thugs then, you know, the court breaks up, everyone's yep. heading out, and as Chevy Chase is starting to leave, uh, the the gangster's son and his two Goombas come up straight up to him in the middle of the courtroom and start threatening his life and yep. saying like, hey, we're going to come get you for that. And it's like, well, okay, guys. That's, I mean, that that is setting the tone for what movie we're watching, where there's just like, there's no uh, causation to anything in this movie. Um, and we're that, that the noises that, that you're making <laughs> describe that's what we we're making for most of the movie, just like, <laughs> pretty much because their audacity to say these things in a courtroom, I think, is distracting us from the fact that Chevy Chase is supposed to be playing a hard ass here, saying, yeah. "Oh, I've seen thugs like you uh, in the past. You know, bring it on. I've got nothing to hide. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not afraid of you. Uh, they're just hoodlums in suits." You yeah, know, like okay, Chevy Chase is not someone I would consider uh, someone that's going to easily stand up to the mob. If the thing that they're if like the the if the way this is written is like he's a tough as nails U.S. attorney, but he's faced his toughest match, <laughs> an eleven year old kid. What? Buka, 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 this summer, it's not. That, it would have been a it. better movie, and it would have starred Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, Tom Selleck from Cop and a Half, Burt Reynolds. Um, <laughs> From smoking the bandit, I don't need to. Uh, I'm just saying, any yes. number of people could have could have succeeded better in this role than Chevy Chase. <laughs> oh god, he probably made this the same year he made Christmas Vacation. God damn it! Uh, I don't. I I do not know. Ninety five. I think Christmas Vacation was the year before. So they they uh, usher themselves out of the courtroom and go to a gallery where yes. uh, Chevy is watching Farah look at paintings and her paintings. Okay, so this is a question I had. Uh, that is not a immediately recognizable fact, and she is touching all of the artwork. When you're an artist, they let you. You know, that's ba- <laughs> like you just show them your card, and you can yeah. touch all the art. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If you win the lottery, you're allowed to touch the art. Does that uh, apply to performance art? Uh, no, that's a different thing. That's, okay. that's, you, you've, you've got to get a special certificate for that. Uh, well, they do mention eventually, like halfway through the scene, it's like, are you, you just must be nervous because your first, because this, this is your first gallery show or something. Yeah. Well, and I heard that. I just wasn't sure if she was going to have a gallery soon or, and that it was going to be in that space or if this was her gallery. It was very unclear. Yeah. And, uh, I just didn't appreciate her touching the art <laughs> only because I got yelled at once. Uh, wait, what art did you touch? I didn't touch anything. I just had my backpack with me, and they yelled at me for having my backpack. Okay, so you're upset that, like, you just carried a backpack into a space and got yelled at. Meanwhile, yep. here's this beautiful woman. They let her touch all the yes! art. Yes! 
It's not fair, man. They they made me take my backpack off of backpack position and put it in Bjorn oh. position on front of me. Oh, no. Do you know how embarrassing oh. that was? It must As have a 35-year-old man? Oh, it must have been humiliating. This happened in, in your adulthood. That's even worse. Oh. This happened a couple years ago. Oh, Landon, I'm so sorry. What museum was this? This was the Ringling Museum uh, in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay, I'm or never going to go there. Somewhere in Florida, yeah. Okay. Sarasota, maybe. All right. Well, I'm writing off the entire state then. <laughs> um, not, not a hard thing to do. Uh, so, she, yeah, so anyway, she's, uh, you know, they're just talking about how it's going to be, it's going to be dicey doing this, but Chevy Chase reveals that he has read every book about step parenting there yeah. is, and so he's an expert. Yeah. Did you say that JTT really doesn't want him to move in? Uh, I mean, she's certainly made that case, yeah, yeah. and JTT has already been showing his reticence about the, the thing. Yes. And then we cut to, uh, Ben, JTT, and his mom walking on the beach. First words out of his mouth. This is about sex, isn't it? And she's she's like, Ben, I'm it's your a little, mother. A little racy for a Disney movie. A little bit spicy. It, I mean, and it only gets spicier. And and he says, I know women reach their sexual peak in their thirties. And I don't know if that's true. Uh, I don't know. He heard it on Donahue. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I guess I hope so, but whatever. Uh, and this is the the first turn for JTT into a, a weird obsession with psychoanalysis and particularly abnormal psychology. Yes. Um, uh, just want to put that out there. You know, we're going to re- return to that many times. Yeah, just planting the seeds now. Yeah. But she says that she really wants him to have a, a, a male role model around the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, no matter what, you'll always be the most important man in my life, but I want to, you know, I want to be married again. I want to have a husband. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, and she also points out that Jack, uh, Chevy Chase is going to keep his own apartment throughout, so if it doesn't work, he can move back in. And all I'm thinking is, like, okay, so you're just two different apartments that, that, like, okay, nice to be made of money, Mr. U.S. Attorney. This is, uh, the first of many instances where I feel like there's an unreasonable request put on Chevy Chase. Yeah. And it's like, you have to go way out of your way to make me feel sympathy and relatable to Chevy Chase. And I know. this movie does everything it can to try. And and mind you, Chevy Chase is not really acting up a storm in this no, movie. He's, not. This, he's done much better. He's before. a straight man. Yeah. And he's not well cast for that because <laughs> Chevy Chase is the guy who falls down. He can be, though. And he was the straight man in Three Amigos. And it was amazingly funny. Granted, True. he had two incredibly talented uh, uh, not straight men to play off of. But yeah, yeah. Back at home, JTT is concerned uh, that uh, Chevy Chase is a serial killer as uh, Chevy is um, now entering their lives for the first time. His boxes of belongings are coming over. And. Here is my question to you and to our listeners and to Disney. I want answers. Yeah. Are we to believe that Ben, JTT, and Chevy Chase have not met until this moment? Yeah, you know, that's it. Because this movie kind of skips over the whole courtship period. Like, presumably they would know each. I mean, if they're looking at getting, moving in together, getting married, she's introducing this man into her son's life. It would have been years. Seems like a huge, I don't even know about years. I mean, I can understand an expedited relationship, but... Seems like a fault on the uh, shoulders of Farrah Fawcett to have a man move in before her son even meets him. Yeah, I mean... I mean, because what if he is a serial killer? 
I mean, it's not like that's a very that's a very good question. I mean, and also that would be the best serial killer is one who's also a U.S. attorney because then he's trying to prosecute himself and he gets off scot free. Uh, well, I'm I recommend, think I'm recommend Bundy his... tried that. <laughs> Did not quite go as planned. He tried to defend himself. Oh, he fair, didn't try okay. to prosecute yeah, himself. Right, now, right. I'm recommending a sentence of two days in minimum security. <laughs> the them's the and the judge says I'll allow it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's. I mean, it's clear that they have already met. Like, it isn't like, hi, I'm Jack. Hi, I'm Ben. But it seems like they don't know each other yeah. very well. For... It seems like that would have been a pretty important moment for audiences to see. Yeah. This moment of meeting each other. Would have been. Would have been. Also, I don't... The whole idea of moving in seems completely unnecessary to this mm. story. Yeah. You know, mom wants to date again. Mom wants to get involved with somebody. They don't have to be, you know, in each other's shit. You yeah, know, just the fact that they're in each other's lives is enough. So this just seems like an unnecessary shoehorn of a plot point. It's not even a point, really. Yeah, but... it's 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 the shoehorn of the entire plot. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, Ben uh, Ben is not into Jack moving in. Uh, he's you know refusing to help move the boxes in, refusing to help out with anything, just being a total petulant dick uh, the entire time, yeah. saying stuff like you know he irons his jeans. And anybody that irons his jeans, clearly uh, that means that they have uh, a deeper psychosis. Yeah. You know, he's he's clearly been uh, he's clearly been paying a lot of attention to psychological journals. <laughs> he's uh, maybe he's listening to the Fraser Crane show because he yeah. is in Seattle in the 90s. Quote, I also unquote, Seattle. want to point out here, um, you know, I like to be more lenient than possible uh, with fashion. Yeah, but there's a lot of pendants in this movie. Oh, there are so many pendants. Oh, God. <laughs> Even before they get their official uh, 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 tribe pendant, uh, JTT is wearing a, like, crystal pendant here. Yeah. Uh, that looks like he's about to summon a bunch of woodland animals. There are a lot... Just the fashion, especially of uh, of uh, uh, um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's friend at school. The, some of oh, the God. things that he wears, like these the, super huge shirts or baggy whatever. clothes, man. I wish I hadn't lived through that period. <laughs> oh, my God. I but bet, I, I was part of that. I bet these kids wish they hadn't either. <laughs> um, I, and I have to say, though, just in all these early scenes of JTT being really unwelcoming to Chevy Chase, yeah. it is easier to watch when i just pretend that's not chevy chase playing a character that's just chevy chase the man it's like okay yeah no i wish you told me that at the beginning yeah i know i i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to tip you know i didn't want to tip my hand on how why i was laughing through all these scenes of chevy chase looking hurt um yeah so i don't know just basic shenanigans jack is singing in the shower so ben turns on the hot water to get him to jump out of the shower oh you're yeah you're really skipping ahead here what what did i miss well uh so um, I mean, it's been 40 minutes already, yeah. and we're like two minutes into the movie. As Farrah Fawcett is telling, uh, you know, having a talk with JTT, he's the one concerning, uh, expressing concern about him being a serial killer. Later, when uh, Chevy Chase's boxes show up, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the psychomaniac that is rummaging through them all. Oh, and he, he finds the, uh, you know, the webster's guide to psychopaths and looks up yeah uh, penguin book of serial killers or something <laughs> looks up uh, uh jtt in the back or he looks up uh, chip Ch- chase in the index as if his name is going to be there be- because a serial killer in disguise would of course have a book full of serial killers with his name listed in it his legal name <laughs> that you call a, him a trophy i don't know i can maybe understand that but uh you think if that was in the book though they wouldn't have let him become a u.s attorney <laughs> but this is the moment where uh chevy is physically present carrying a box of his belongings uh and it's the moment where he is literally moving in yeah and uh 
he has this box that he wants to put under the stairs, and JTT's like, no, no, you can't put that there. That's where we put all of our junk we find from the, the shore. Yeah. And it's like, that stuff is important. It's like, yeah, but this guy has to move in. Yeah. Also, <laughs> you put your junk from the shore on the collage. Yeah. Like, I never once see them saying, like, oh, let's add to the collage. Let's go into the closet under the stairs and find some shit in there to put on. No, yeah. you go and you get fresh junk. And at this point... How does Chevy Chase not know that JTT doesn't want him to move in? Oh, I mean, I think he knows, and he's just like, I'm going to face these headwinds and, and you know, and, and lean into it. Yeah, well, he seems, he's playing a little more aloof than it seems like he should be, but uh, evidence of this, if he wasn't uh, tipped off by the fact that JTT doesn't even want him to put his belongings in the house, um, he's singing in the shower. Yes. And I believe he's singing a tune from the singing bush in Three Amigos. Uh, someone's in the kitchen with Dinah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, singing bush sings a bunch of songs, it does, though. It yes. sings pretty fast. It goes fast. through about three different songs. Yeah. Uh, and JTT... Uh, the Three Amigos expert here. <laughs> bangs on the door, um, because he presumably has to pee. I guess, I yeah. He wants in the bathroom and can't. Uh, and, you know, instead of being patient and waiting like a normal human being, he goes and turns the... Uh, hot water on in the sink in the kitchen, which leads cold water to blast Chevy Chase. Yeah, who jumps out of the shower, comes running out of the bathroom in a robe all covered in soap, and he's like, ah, what happened to the hot water? And and JTT just goes into the bathroom and says, yeah, it's an old building, who knows what happens? And he shuts the door and locks it. Yes. And, yeah, and so there's this just, I don't know, there's just this whole, like, there's a scene we don't need. Like, they could have just cut there, but instead it's, like, Chevy Chase knocking on the door saying, like, hey, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all covered with soap. Yeah. Can I come in and get clean? It's like, well, yeah, we know. Like, yeah. The, the joke is there. We, and, and we already saw, I mean, the scene in, that's happening inside the bathroom, we've already seen as well. Yeah. JTT is going through the medicine cabinet where Chevy Chase has put all of his belongings, and he's going, ugh, gross, as he's picking up, like, aftershave. And he says, uh... Is he decomposing or something? Which leads me to believe that Jonathan Taylor Thomas understands what formaldehyde is, but not what cologne is. For someone who watches <laughs> so much Donahue and Arsenio and whatever else, he's never once seen a commercial for Brut. <laughs> Seriously. He also sees a, a bottle of allergy pills and goes, oh, great, he's even got allergies and it's like dude fuck you chill the fuck Mo out man. almost everyone has allergies <laughs> also you know if you're me you see a scene of the kid finding allergy pills in there and you think oh boy he's gonna replace those with laxatives or something and we're gonna be in for some some goofs and some 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 jokes and some japes yep uh no no no, no. it's no. just it's just it's a bit of dense character building that uh th that jack um has allergies what is he allergic to we don't know we don't know uh, he's allergic to uh, being covered in soap, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but he has a strange reaction to it, because as soon as Jonathan Taylor Thomas steps out of the bathroom, uh, Chevy Chase is completely dry. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Well, because I think Farrah gets him a towel or something, a really effective towel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, JTT gets uh, upset about all this uh, uh, rearranging of his belongings and says, I'm the one making all the adjustments here. Uh, sh sh shut up. 
Yeah, just chub. <laughs> Pretty early on, there was a like this is the thing, like when the movie was starting. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not gonna be able to handle this kid. I'm yeah, so pissed agreed. at this kid. And then around the first act break, the movie then takes a the movie decides instead of being about this kid being an asshole, we're just gonna be about be about making fun of Native American culture <laughs> and appropriating it for a bunch of white dipshits. And yeah. then and then I found a new thing to be upset by. Yep. So uh, it's that's you know that's what you want to see in screenwriting though is is that the stakes keep changing the things that you're that, that irritate you about the movie keep changing yeah. so you don't stagnate. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, at some point after you know this whole situation with the shower so incenses uh, uh, Ben that he tells his mom that he just it would be psychologically damaging to him if uh, Jack sleeps in the same bed as her this first night. Yeah, and this is where. It lost me. I mean, I was teetering since the credits, but at this moment, like, they're... Granted, I'm not a parent. I understand that. And I'm not yeah. a divorced parent, and I'm not a single parent. I'm not any of those things. You're not any kind of parent. I am not. It's a parent. You're not a parent. <laughs> Copyright Family Circus. But at this point, the child is controlling the situation, and yeah. I feel like some fucking parenting needs to happen. Yes, this this is a this is a really big indictment of Farrah Fawcett's relationship with JTT. Yeah. Like, wait, what other shit have you been letting him get away with? Yeah. Because what she does is instead of uh being able to sleep with her new uh I guess roommates. <laughs> yeah, they're not engaged to be married or anything. Yet. I mean, boyfriend is I think boyfriend. the technical term. Uh well, I don't know how new the relationship is. So Fiance, I don't say maybe. Be, whatever. Uh she pulls out a cot for him to sleep on. Yep. Um, she whips out her cot. And uh they they all say goodnight and we get a little passage of time uh when the cot then collapses. Yep, the the what the bit under his feet collapses and the bit under his head collapses, so it's just uh yep. him him lying there like that. Also, there's this whole bit as she's getting him set up on the cot about how like, oh, it'll just be for a few days, you know, he's fine and you know, I'm sure he'll he'll adjust. And and Chevy Chase is saying something like, Oh, it's a good thing I already took that cold shower. And they're implying that like, yeah, they're just gonna go in there and bone down on his first night in the house with her son upstairs. I mean Well, I mean, I'm all for that. Just not with the sun upstairs. Like, if that's the case, do some planning and orchestrate it so that he's not home on the night that your boyfriend is moving in and you want to celebrate the way that you want to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. But, of course, they have no qualms about this later in the movie. I, all, all it takes is some good <laughs> right. rain dancing to really get your kid tuckered out oh, for a fuck good fest. God. Uh, and uh, so the, the cot is broken and he's sleeping on it backwards and then frontwards. And then I'm like... Why don't you just move to the couch yeah. that is literally within arm's reach? That might even be a pull-out couch. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, um, anyway, he decides, oh, I can't sleep. I'm just going to – this is silly. I'm going to go sneak into Farrah's bedroom uh, like an adult because you are and yeah. you should have the say in be that. Because I have the power vested in me by the state to put people in cages <laughs> for the rest of their lives. I have the power <laughs> to put myself in the same bed as my girlfriend. Uh, so he gets up to go to her bedroom and slips on a skateboard, which wakes up the entire house. Well, I mean, it's two people and it's a small yeah. house. And it's a really, really... I mean, for Chevy Chase, who is known for his pratfalls, yeah. it is one of the laziest pratfalls i've ever seen again phone he phoned it in yeah i'm sure his stuntman did this there's a whole <laughs> there's a whole once upon a time in hollywood about chevy chase and his stuntman during the making of this movie 
<laughs> but JTT wakes up and, you know, calls him out and says, uh, Chevy's like, oh, I was just trying to get my way to the bathroom. And he's like, no, 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 the bathroom's over there. And the way that this is shot, JTT is up uh, in the loft bedroom. So yeah. it's all pointing up at him, looking down on the parents. And it's giving the kid way too much agency. I mean, even when, like, when he first comes out, he's just like, what's going on out here? Or like, what's all this noise down here? It's like, dude. Like, what? immediately, it's like, this is like a horror movie. This is like The <laughs> Omen or something. It's like one step away from, like, the the scared father that's going to rush out in his boxers holding a baseball bat. Going, yeah. Who's there? Who's yeah. there? <laughs> Breaking in. That makes more sense for the father to do that because he's, like, aware of the ways of the world and actually <laughs> invested in defending the home. Like, yeah. this is just like an angry parent except it's a kid. Yeah. Uh, so he he points uh, Chevy in the direction of the bathroom. Apparently they don't uh, they don't bone down that night. Um, and in the morning, uh, we cut to a a panning shot of food being prepared uh, for breakfast. Uh, lots of food. So much food. A, a lot of a lot of fucking food. Way more food than would be needed for these three people. And we get a trope that I am fucking sick of. I don't know when the last. They they may have gotten rid of this by now but what what, like like congress passed a law about this trope (laughs) exactly it's men in the kitchen who just don't know what they're doing you've got burnt uh toast or muffins you've got uh, a frying pan that just spontaneously lights on fire like you do the quintessential blender without a top that just goes everywhere it's like there's not a single person on earth that would start a blender without putting the top on. Yeah, like, and this, this is why it doesn't track for me. It's like he explains when Jonathan Taylor Thomas comes out and says, what is this stuff anyway? It's breakfast, you psycho. What, what do you think it is? It probably <laughs> smells delicious. But, you know, he comes out and he says this. And Chevy Chase is like, oh, I'm doing, uh, you know, Eggs Benedict with ham croquettes and uh, hollandaise sauce, which is mostly all over the counter now. So it's like this movie implies that Chevy Chase knows how to make Eggs Benedict and Hollandaise sauce, which, like, I don't cook. I don't know how to make that shit. I'm not that good of a cook. Yeah. Uh, he, so and if he doesn't, why would he be attempting to his first morning in this uh, household? This is, like, clearly a thing he's made before, a thing that he knows how to make. He doesn't have a recipe book open. It's not like a Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire situation. He, but he, he fuck, and, but he doesn't know how to put a top on the blender. Yeah. He doesn't know how to, like... Like, he doesn't know, he, he's so busy trying to keep the blender from overflowing that he can't turn off the stove. <laughs> and, but so then, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's reaction when, when all this is explained to him, he says, is like, does the word cholesterol mean anything to you? And it's like... <sighs> I know, I, I, I was at the end of my rope with, uh, with his character at this point. He, he, like, you know, Farrah comes out, and he's like, Jack's trying to kill us with animal fat. And, and explain, you know, Farrah explains it, oh, well... Usually we make breakfast together and we just have, you know, we just have some oatmeal and, and a little bit of fruit and yogurt. Then why do you have eggs and bacon and all of this ham and, and cholesterol-ridden stuff in your house? And I also want to point out, I think this, like, I don't know, I'm just saying, a uh, very early episode of Frasier, Frasier comes out in his bathrobe to find his dad making a similar breakfast to this one. It <laughs> says, oh, no, dad, in the mornings I just like to have some granola and yogurt and maybe a little bit of a bran muffin, that's it. And it's like, is this just a Seattle thing in the 90s? Everyone just, <laughs> like, if you live in Seattle, your breakfast is uh, granola, yogurt, fruit, maybe a little bit of bran. Like, I, I, th- I do think there was a, a massive wave of both uh, popularity in psychology as well as uh, health and fitness that was just rampant, uh, and this is obviously effects of that. So yeah, I, I guess I guess so, and I guess a wave in popularity of Seattle as well per the grunge movement. I guess <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, 
so yeah, she so Ferret comes out and is being kind of a dick to Chevy Chase about trying to make breakfast though. Like we have we have a routine. We make breakfast every morning. I'll just make a list of things so you know what to do and like so this never happens again. And meanwhile, <clears throat> she does nothing to discipline Jonathan Taylor Thomas who is just insulting him for making, you know, breakfast for them all yeah. and says, "You know what? I'm just going to get something on the way to school." I roll uh huffy <laughs> stomping feet, walk out the door, slam it. He is he is about as petulant as uh, as uh, Walter White's older son is in the in most seasons of Breaking Bad. Basically, it's like just call me Flynn. Uh, also, the, uh, let's just point out I, I don't know this is something that bumped me repeatedly throughout the movie. They live in the middle of downtown Seattle, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas just kind of comes and goes as he pleases, walking around the middle of this downtown area. I yeah. mean, again. I mean, I am a 90s kid, but I was a 90s kid who didn't grow up in the middle of a city, so yeah. it was different. I, I just, it's, I mean, yeah, I walked to school alone, but I don't know. It's okay. just, like, I'm just going to pick something up on my way to school. All right, fine. <laughs> I mean, this was the 90s, and it's weird to say it, but there was, children had much more agency than they were given after, you know, both Columbine and 9-11. yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I, I agree with that. That it's just it's it's funny to me because like violent crime in this country spiked in like ninety one, ninety three, like the, like the <laughs> yeah. most the worst possible time in American history for a kid to be walking around the streets of a major city is like nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four. Like they passed a whole crime bill. I don't know if yeah. you know Joe Biden was involved. Well, this is nineteen ninety five, so clearly that bill took place. Uh... They, they, OJ Simpson was in jail at this <laughs> exactly. point briefly, so it wasn't a problem. Uh, we go to school. Where we meet uh, JTT's friend Monroe, and I want to say while we're at there, it's them getting lunch or whatever, and and JTT is carrying a tray laden yeah. with a gigantic salad and a can of Minute Maid, <laughs> and I just my yeah. note, this kid eats like a Hollywood agent. <laughs> I've never like because Monroe has like hot dogs or something. Yeah, I just I've never seen a ten year old boy be like diet cherry soda. I need to have. Well, Coke. he did. Have, yeah, he did have. Well, some people prefer the taste of diet Coke, Landon. It's not about health. It's about it's about good taste. Cherry Coke is disgusting, and I will <laughs> I will die on that hill. But uh, no, but like I've just never seen like yeah. a ten year old boy be like, oh no, I need to have some granola and some and some non fat yogurt, and oh, I need a salad <laughs> for lunch. Like kid, you've got. You've got your thirties to be like that. Seriously, eat some eat some macaroni and cheese with cut up hot dogs. In I, it. I, I'm sensing some obsessive issues here with him. Yeah, a little bit. Like the, if you, you want to get, get into free. yeah the the analysis. Uh, you know, I, I, he the the most disturbing individual in this entire movie, and I'm including the gangsters who are out to murder people, is JTT. <laughs> the, the gangsters are are the gangsters become the most clownish characters in the movie by the end of it, which is remarkable given that there is an actual literal clown in this movie. Uh, God, I have notes. We've been talking for like almost an hour and we're not even to the main meat of what's wrong with this movie. We're still in act one. Oh, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> okay. So they're talking and uh, Monroe is, uh, suggests getting rid of the guy. So yeah. he, the, the bug is in, uh, JTT's ear now. Yes. He's got to get rid. The longer that, uh, that people stay, uh, you know that that these uh, men stay with your your parents, um, your moms, your 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 other dads, whatever your family might look like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> your 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 two dads, your two moms. The longer they're around, the harder they are to get rid of. So get rid of them now. Mm. Uh, and as he's telling him this, they walk by a locker where some kid screams for help. Yes. Uh, they finagle the lock, get him out, and uh, turns out to be uh, 
Norm, Norm. Jr., um, who is wearing the first of the problematic uh, clothing of this episode, or <laughs> this movie. This episode in Jonathan Taylor Thomas's career. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, this Native American-themed uh, get-up. Vest, like, yeah. Yeah, vest with beads and everything on it. And uh, they ask him, what are you wearing? And he explains that he's part of the Indian, he's an Indian guide uh, from the YMCA, hands uh, JTT some uh, some Watchtower literature, <laughs> and uh and yeah you know uh it's i guess it's a father-son bonding program that is was that what it's designed indian for? themed yeah it's like it, like he says like yeah it's for fathers and sons to do and it's meant to foster bonding and oh, connection between them. that part yeah and jonathan taylor thomas quickly realizes this is hella dumb and if i make uh chevy chase do it he won't want to stick around and so this would be a great way to get even with dad <laughs> uh so uh we go back home where uh, Farah is doing her art and uh, Chevy is reading through the the manual about uh, Indian guides. That's their term, not my term. Yes. And uh, you see, you saying, like, these people sit around making furry refrigerator magnets. What Indian tribe in all of history made furry refrigerator magnets? Good point. This is, this is the first of many points <laughs> in the movie when the movie is active, like, kind of saying the shit that we're saying, but then just barreling on ahead anyway. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so she basically tells him, well, you know, I don't exactly know why he wants to do it. It's always a phase, you know, this week it's this and next week it's that. So why don't you just give it a shot? He says like, yeah, one, you know, one week, one week they want to be Indian guides. The next week they want to do roller hockey, which is (laughs) so nineties. Like no kid, kids haven't wanted to do roller hockey in I, you know, twenty years. Given a little more time, I would have come up with a '90s uh, family movie checklist. Oh my god, to play bingo! This this movie hits a bunch of them. Yeah, uh, pendants. Yes, baggy clothes. Uh, a number of songs in montages that we'll get to. Yes. Uh, and uh, rollerblading is yeah. definitely up there. Oh, rollerblading with knee pads because they make <laughs> you look cool. Fuck you. Uh, uh, yeah, but also be safe. Shut your mouth. <laughs> We go to uh, uh, at the club. Well, what club? Well, it's the oh, it's the it's, first yeah, meeting it's the first the, meeting. Yeah, and it's them all sitting in a like, circle. I don't remember a rave. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome though, because I'm sure the raves in Seattle in the '90s were pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, they're sitting in the basement of somebody's house, all in a circle, all wearing you know the feather headdress, like you know the little headdress with one feather in the yeah, back. Yeah, George Went has uh, Norm. Has, Norm has the first the, appearance of George Went, the full headdress, and everybody else has because he's the chief. Yeah, and they're singing some native, like they're singing some song, some you know sounds like the Native some American grade camp song music that you'd hear in like a Western movie sort of thing. But he's so. Uh, so I don't know. I I don't I didn't catch a lot of what happened because I was just drunk on seeing George Went. <laughs> I mean, as I've mentioned in the past, when I was watching the Michael Jackson child molestation documentary, like kind of the 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 helpful solve in the middle of it was when they showed the clip of the black or white video that had yeah. George Went in it. Like George Went is my north star. So <laughs> this is really. But George went wearing a Native American headdress sitting on the floor of a suburban basement, rocking back and forth and singing weird Native American songs that are definitely not PC. Well, you know he has a beer right behind him. You just can't see off camera. I I really like to think that, like, you know, (laughs) Frazier moved to Seattle and Norm was like, well... Why not? Yeah, why not? Let's, let's, let's try it. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a new thing. I'll just start a new family out there. Vera's going to think I'm at Cheers this entire time, but actually I'm out in uh, I'm out in oh, Seattle. Man. Uh, they welcome uh, JTT and Chevy to the group, um, and we're introduced to, I don't, I didn't catch his name. I named him Jimbo. 
Oh, J- yeah, because yeah. he's Jimbo from season one of Home Improvement. Yes, uh, the guy who who invented the Timbo hat. Yes, or at least was inspiration. Yeah, for he it. inspired the Timbo yeah. hat. Yeah, and Jimbo, he is a stickler for the rules. He is and the, very proud of it. As as George Went explains, uh, I I know George Went's character has a name, but his name is George Went. His name is Norm. His, well, no, his Nor- son's name is Norm. N- well, his name is Norm Junior. This is Norm with an exclamation point. Okay, Norm. You're right. That's what we're gonna do. So as Norm explains, you know, he he is chief, and his Native American name because everyone, every every father and son in this group is part of joining the group. They give, you know, the father gives the son a Native American name, and the son gives the father a Native American name. Chief Running Horse. He's in charge, but uh, this guy Jimbo is uh, the uh, he's the secretary of the tribe, and he's read the entire rule book, and he is a total stickler for rules. He takes notes on everything, and it and it is clearly. Per George Wentz's great performance, it is clearly getting on George Wentz's nerves. <laughs> uh, it is, and uh, but they they tell them that they have to pick their names, and so Chevy goes first. Yeah, and uh, looks at uh, JTT for a second, sizes him up, and then gives him the name Little Wing. Which uh, this is a, a detail that didn't need to be there, but I just love that it was. Uh, Norm was so inspired by uh, Little Wing. He's like, you know what? I love that Hendrix. Uh, I got that album. He throws out, you know, the album title, and it's like I just love that Norm is a a, a Hendrix head. I want to th- I want to think that George went improv that on, on set. That, you know, like he and they're, they're like, okay, yeah. guys, we got Chevy Chase here. Chevy, you want to do you want to do some improv on this? No. Okay, okay, uh, George. Yeah, I'll do some stuff. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and then JTT picks a name for Chevy. He goes with Squatting Dog, uh, because he had a dog once that had the squirts that he really loved. Uh, and then Chevy's like, well, you know, do you have any other pets that you liked? And he goes, well, I had a squirrel once named Numbnuts. And at this point, there's another failure of adulthood yeah. where it's just like, okay, uh, funny, but pick a name. Yeah. Pick a real name. Yeah. We're not going to call your stepfather Squatting Dog. This is this is the point where, like, George Went could have jumped in with something. Norm, I mean. Anybody, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but so they, they go, they go with that. Uh, I also want to take this opportunity to point out, so they are talking about, uh, the, the rich, um, history and cultural traditions and habits and, and what you might call it of the Minotauk tribe, which is not a real tribe. No. Yeah. Now, so at, at the very least, they went out of their way to pick something that isn't going to offend directly a tribe. Yeah. Until they bring in a, a guy from a real Native American tribe later that yeah. actually is in Washington. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, and then we get an unprompted... Uh, this is where... this is Guys, this is it. This is Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite. This is where we start to fly into the planet, and it syncs up perfectly with the later Pink Floyd album. There's a guy in this group, one of the dads in this group, who doesn't talk. He's a circus performer who only expresses himself through dance. Picture Roberto Benini. Yeah, but not Roberto Benini. But we're like Roberto Benoni. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention this guy. Uh, yeah, his character on the the movie is named Lloyd. He's played by a guy named David Shiner, who actually works with uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil, or at least used to. Um, was a miscellaneous crew on a, a film of Marceau. Okay. Uh, the famous mind. Yeah. Uh, my ma. He was also in a movie called Silent Tongue, which is coincidental. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and he has no less than three um, credits as clown. Wow. 
And most likely a degree from a prestigious clown college. One of them is Lorenzo's Oil. Lorenzo's Oil? (laughs) Starring Nick Nolte and uh, 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 Susan Sarandon. Wow. So this must have been, like, he was thinking this was his breakout. Like, I'm not wearing the makeup. You know, I can kind of, like, blend the line between normal dad stuff and clown stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, so so after after the the singing and after the after the naming ceremony, then it's like okay, next thing on the agenda, Silent Thunder is gonna do. He has something he wants to show us. Silent Thunder is this yeah. guy's name. Silent Thunder also sounds like a euphemistic way to refer to a quiet fart. <laughs> they also uh, explain that he doesn't use his words to express himself, and said he prefers uh, uh, body language, the most difficult. I don't know. I just this guy, this character annoys every, me. Every time he did anything, Landon yelled at the screen, "Use your words! You're an adult." Uh, so he, yeah, he. So he gets up and he starts like he puts on like a hat and, yeah. and does some char- some miming. Yeah, some Charlie Chaplin miming action. But and there's no rhyme or reason to it. He's just kind of dancing no around. Mime or reason to it? Oh God, that. Annoys me. You're gonna smack me like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> my, my hand did turn into a fist. One of these days, Truman, pow, right to the moon. <laughs> uh, but he just starts like dancing around and then like grabs his own collar and then flips himself over a couch and then stands up smiling, waving, waggling his finger like he's dancing around. Yeah. And I hate it uh, and I don't want him in the room and I wish he wasn't in the movie. And uh, then, I wish he could just use his words. And then he goes to the boombox. Because you might have oh, thought... Oh, fucking forgot about that. You might have thought... He was just going to mime around for like 15, 20 seconds, and that would be enough for this movie. I did but think no, that. Then he puts on the boombox, and then he dances to weird, like, you know, the kind of music that plays on boomboxes in the 90s. I don't need to explain it's... any more than that. <laughs> you know what movie... You Like, close your eyes, you know what music this is. Tim Taylor has danced to a bunch of it on Home Improvement before. Basically. And, and yeah. <laughs> Copyright-free greatest hits. So he dances around to this, yeah, and then everyone claps, and he sits down. And then... Then they argue over what game they're going to play for about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, it's a long time. And then they eventually decide on potato bowling. Now, when they when JTT is first looking at the brochure for this for this organization, potato bowling is listed as one of the activities. And I saw that on the brochure, and I'm like, potato bowling? What is that? Oh, that's going to be funny. I can't wait to see that. And they're like, okay, we're going to do potato bowling. George Went reaches over. Like, they're in just, like, George, uh, Norm. They're in Norm's uh, basement. He turns around and he reaches over to one of the end tables by his couch where there's just a bowl of potatoes waiting there. there now, is. I should point out, like like Norm is saying, like, okay, let's play Moccasin Scrabble. Everyone's all ready to do that. And then, and then, oh, no, point of order. This is Jimbo talking. Oh, no, point of order. We played that last time. We're going to vary up the games. This time we said we we're going to play potato bowling. So, you know, Norm wasn't ready for this. But then he says, okay, potato bowl. He turns around. So he's just got a bowl of potatoes. <laughs> just ready to go. Just sitting there in his house. Just, you know, you want to, it's been a long day. You want to put on Martin and just gnaw on a potato for a while. Just it's, an it's uncooked like raw it, potato. One of those situations, I don't know if you've ever been in the middle of the night where you want a, a peanut butter sandwich, but you don't have the bread. And so you're like, well, you know, peanut butter has protein in it. If I just grab a spoon and eat out of the jar, I'll be fine. Oh, this yeah. This is the, the, the French fry equivalent, where it's like, it's late at night. <laughs> I don't have a uh, slicer, dicer. I don't have a deep fryer, but I have a bowl of potatoes. I'll just, I'll just eat them. <laughs> You're just eating it like a piece of corn or something. Exactly. Uh, Gross. Yeah. Uh, or the least you could do is dip that in the peanut butter. 
<laughs> when you need your starch, you need your starch. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but then, so then I'm like, okay, potato bowling, kick ass, let's see it. He grabs this potato, and then we cut away. <laughs> the movie's like... We cut to a d- much different game, though. Uh, uh, we cut to an arcade yes. where JTT is uh, playing Virtual Fighter, oh. a game that I loved growing up. It was one of the, the first uh, obsessions I had on the original PlayStation. You had you had a real moment when it showed up on screen. I did. I hadn't seen that game in years. I just... The movie... The movie felt like we needed to see a mime dancing around for a minute. We needed an argument of what game to play, but then are you gonna are you gonna show us potato bowling? No. Yeah. Heaven forbid you make our your leads make us laugh. No, no, no. Leave it all to. Well, I mean, leave it in the capable hands of one and George Went. But uh, <laughs> fair, yeah, yeah. Uh, so JTT is playing Virtua Fighter next to Monroe, who's playing an unseen game. Uh, and he's complaining about how easy it is to manipulate uh, Chevy. Well, he's bragging about how easy it is to manipulate yeah. Chevy. Yeah. Uh, and, and informs us that they're going to have a camp out soon. Yeah. And this entire time, Monroe's going, are you kidding me, man? You're still doing this uh, this Indian tribe bullshit? Yeah. Uh, that seems lame and stupid, and you seem lame and stupid for doing it. And, and Monroe also says, I, I didn't believe that I heard this and I made Land and Rewind. Monroe says, I never understand why you white people like to sleep outside. You'll never see a brother sleeping on the ground. I'm just like, okay, movie. You're not just having him be like the, the, like, you're not, wow, you're actually litigating some racial stuff. Okay, interesting, interesting. And I, there was nothing racist about the black people in this movie. So no, I guess that's, no. that's a plus for once in history. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The only other black guy in the movie is like the, one of the higher ups like of the, the U.S. Partner, Attorney's yeah. Office. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty fine representation, I'd say. Uh, he tells Monroe about the camp out and he's like, this is going to be, um, this is going to be the easiest thing. You know, just give me one more week and we'll be done with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a, a cookout tomorrow and I convinced him that, um, uh, all the other dads are going to be there in full getup. So he he went out and rented a an entire costume. Now, and I have to say, when this happens, do you have more or before? I... No, because we get a smash cut to Chevy walking outside <laughs> in, in full... a full Indian getup. We can say that's problematic a million times, but trust yeah. me, it is. It's actually, like... and I want to say why because I want to bring yeah. this up now because it comes up a lot from here forward. Yeah, uh, he says I convinced him to get an authentic Indian. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they Jeeps. use the term authentic Indian a lot, yeah. and none of it is authentic at all. It's as authentic as a uh, sorority girl going to a USC costume party <laughs> dressed as a sexy yes. Indian. Like, yes. It's authentic in that regard. And he's sexy authentic. as hell. Oh my god, dude. I was just, there was a whole lot of really delicious meat on screen there, and I'm not just talking about the cookout, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but yes. we're, we're back backyard of norms. Yeah, back backyard, and he's come there in this in this full Indian outfit. The joke of Chevy Chase showing up dressed in a full Indian outfit is diminished somewhat by the fact that all the other dads there are still wearing like they still have their faces painted with Indian war paint. Yeah. They still have like George Went is walking around in a headdress. Yeah, like and they all have like the feather headdresses. So it's like. They're still, like, yeah, I mean, obviously Chevy Chase looks the most out of place, out of Chevy Place, if you will, but uh, he, it's not Why like, wasn't that the name of his talk show? 
Chevy Place. <laughs> Chevy's Place. That would be the name of his kid's show. Uh, but it's like, it's not It's not like the, I don't know, the first one I can think of off the top of my head is Bridget Jones's Diary, where someone tells her, oh, this party is a costume party right. where we dress up as Playboy bunnies, and she yeah. shows up, and no, we're not doing that, and everyone's dressed formally. It's like, no, everyone's dressed kind of like an Indian, and it's kind of not okay, and you're just dressed way like an Indian, and it's really not okay. Would you say that this is haha? That this is, that's funny, or this is crickets? Uh, man. In, in terms of the, the funny scale. This, this is this is crickets. We're doing a like good bad movie, bad bad movie movie <laughs> kind of liked scale. Yeah, I'd say this is a crickets. There there's some there's some kind there's some whatever the medium yeah. one is. There's some of those in this movie, but this I, is a yeah, crickets. Movie. I would even say the crickets don't want to make noise because it's that bad. Yeah, the, the crickets are like, sorry guy, we're we're taking we're taking the day off. Meanwhile, uh, uh, JTT arrives and said, oh sorry, I think I misunderstood uh, what they said about dressing up for this thing. Uh, you we you know we need to put the final touches on you. You got to have face paint just like everybody else yeah. and uh he goes okay well you got to be careful because i you know i'm allergic to this sort of thing and jtt's like no no no, don't worry i checked the label it's not oil it's watercolor also watercolor doesn't stick to skin just want to point that out there uh Chevy, is, you should know better this has been landon's art corner <laughs> <laughs> uh well when when gruntwork studios goes away this where we record does become landon's art corner oh it, trans- this is, it transforms this like is a, where i do all my art there's like a roll away art table that comes <laughs> exactly. out why do you think I have a bowl of uh, of apples on my desk? I have. I, to... I thought because you like fruit. <laughs> I have to do a still life. Oh. Um. So he proceeds to paint Chevy Chase's face uh, with war paint. Yeah. Uh. And it's stupid. Yeah, it is. Unlike everything else in this movie, which is not. <laughs> yeah. But as he's as he's doing this. We we cut away to uh, we cut away to the the mob guys in the car watching yeah. this. By the way, this is probably 30, 40 minutes into the movie. At which point we realized, oh yeah, the mob wants to kill Chevy Chase. <laughs> I forgot about that. Where sure enough, a guy is one of the mob guys is eating a piece of pizza and pulling out his gun, talking about how I could hit him from here with a thirty eight, yeah. and the other guy saying. You know, ah, uh, you know, yeah, he would. You couldn't hit. You couldn't splatter his brains. It's the twenty two that's gonna do it. Yeah, and I don't want to be. The guy on Twitter whose profile picture is him sitting in the front seat of his truck and who, like, has an NRA sticker on the back of his truck. But I'm going to say a 22 is not more powerful than a 38. That's just not how guns work. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know that, like, the I tiny... don't know much. <laughs> don't know much about how guns work, but I know. All I know is how to twerk. I don't know. Okay, and I don't know that either. Uh, you need a butt to start with. I, I know, I know. And it's wearing. it's been wearing away because I had to sit on the floor to, to, to watch this movie. So they... Richard Portnow then peeps up from the back seat and says, You idiots, you buffoons, smack back your heads. Uh, you can't use guns. We need to make this look like an accident. Yes. Which, uh, you know, that's a fairly handy excuse for all the shenanigans that ensue. I, but, so they then, we then, but we cut from this yeah. to... Back to the, the games that they're playing in the back backyard. To the games they're playing in the backyard! <laughs> uh, but this is what I'm, I'm going to say. This scene is a good scene. I like this thing that happens next. Okay. I, I was watching and I was like... Good screenwriting here. Then tell me what happens. So they're doing something that was also advertised in the brochure called the Grapefruit Relay, which is a thing where you've got to, like, you've got to get this grapefruit across the backyard Mm -hmm. uh, without touching it with your hands. And so it's like Chevy Chase and and Norm are kneeling next to each other uh, with their hands, like, tied behind their back or something. And they have to walk on their knees holding a grapefruit underneath their their chin. Yeah. And so as as they're starting this... 
Norm is saying to him like, hey man, I wanted to talk to you. You know, I uh, I heard that you're actually, that you're uh, Ben's stepdad. I just wanted to let you know, you know, I'm actually Norm's, because his son, yeah. Norm, Norm Jr. You know, I'm, I'm his stepdad too, you know? And so like, if you if you got any problems or questions about, I know it's hard, it's like a tough thing. If you ever need any help or advice, you know, I'm here. I want to, I wanna, you know, be able to help you out. And so, you know, it's, a, you know, hey, that's an interesting plot point, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But the way that they Setting this, aside the fact that he's not actually... JTT stepdad, but you well, know, not neither yet, here but, yet. Yeah, but, good. But, so, but they're having as he's having this whole conversation. It's them like trying to hold grapefruits underneath their chins while they're like walking on their knees across the yard. They then drop them and are like they can't touch them with their hands. They're like on the ground, they're, they're talking, wriggling on the ground, trying to pin these things under their neck while he's. But there's the whole time it's just like yeah. So you know I'm Norm's stepdad too. Yeah, it's really it's really tough. You know it's a hard <laughs> thing. You just got to work at it. But I don't know. I thought it was really funny that they got this scene across, like. It could not have been easy to shoot this scene this way. Like, it must have been difficult for yeah. him to get their lines and everything. But I'm glad they invested the time in this because this this was genuinely funny. This this was a funny <laughs> bit. And also then that it ends with George Went then just giving up on trying to pin the grapefruit under his just neck. And just it. bites into it and gets up and keeps going. Um, so I guess the real takeaway here is that George Went is just, can we just make him president or something? I love George Went. <laughs> Uh, and then we cut from that to um, the courtroom, oh. and this is where uh, oh. Chevy Chase, the the face paint, definitely had its effect on uh, on his face. Well, he broke out in a rash in the shape of war paint. And this, I mean, but the first thing we see is a Native American attorney t- telling the judge how disrespectful this is that that you know that the government's representative shows up like this like are you mocking us what is it like this is an, gen- an actual native american man representing his tribe in a land use yeah. case saying i am offended by this this is wrong what you're doing this is not okay and then it's yeah and and for the the um uh just to try to even the scales a little bit let's talk just a half a second about this actor yeah uh, he is uh, Chief Leonard George. Oh, okay. he's a full he's a full on chief. Yeah, that he's... makes it even worse that this movie happened. <laughs> uh, he passed away in 2017, oh. which is uh, sad. I'm gonna pour some out on your carpet here. Uh, he is a uh, Coast Salish native of North Vancouver, BC, yeah. uh, British Columbia, chief of the Burrard Indian Band. He is also a son of Chief Dan George. Okay. I don't know who that is. Um, oh, yeah, I know him. You've seen him uh, a number of times and things. Yeah. I think he was in uh, Almost Famous. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, he looks familiar. Yeah, that's Anyway, that's his dad. He's not, it's not even him. But uh, anyway, so real chief, real... Um, Real elder oh, of uh, the that may, of, a, of a real tribe. Yeah, oh, that makes it. And I, I was so going to try worse. to pronounce this, but I feel like it'll just make it worse. So I'm not going. Yeah, to. yeah. But he is. He's an elder chief of a, uh, a certain uh, nation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that is work to protect the First Nations resources and culture. So wow. Well, except in this movie. Yeah, maybe which, it all came to pass after this movie. I, you know, well, hey, look, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, he. he if the man is a working actor, this is a part with some lines. It's a big part. It's an opportunity to, I, I imagine this was pitched to him as like, hey, you know, show your an actual authentic representation of your culture in a mainstream movie. Yeah, yeah. And it was or probably good the payday. fact of like, they're going to do this with or without you. So yeah. why not try to uh, curb it as much as you can by being yeah. involved? It, it's just this, this, like, it would have been one thing if this whole movie 
it was like, oh yeah, it's a bunch of white dudes pretending to be Indians as part of a club, like, that's bad. But then that you have an actual Native American come in, giving voice to the fact that he represents a culture that is being, and he, that he feels offended by the things that the that the kids have been doing in the club, like saying, this is causing hurt and pain to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the movie going out of its way to do a self-own on itself. Like, <laughs> already not holding up well, let me explain to you just how bad this is. Like, <laughs> this doesn't really work in 2019. It yeah. also wasn't really okay in 1995. <laughs> yeah, and I admit that this is probably more complicated of a situation than I even understand. Uh, but... From my limited perspective, it's still kind of hard to watch. It's not easy. I mean, so, you know, so he asks for, uh, I don't know. So this this dismissal, I believe. Yeah, he asks for a dismissal. Next scene is Chevy Chase in with his office, whose boss reaming him out for shitty performance. He's been missing meetings, canceling meetings. He's getting getting pulled off the case. We don't see any of that. I know. we, 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 yeah, I guess it's like. I don't know what stuff he's been missing to go to a barbecue and yeah. sit on sit on the floor of George Wendt's house, but <laughs> because also this whole movie takes place over the course of two months, so I don't know how much shit he really missed. I'm, how, when did that happen? I At the very that. end, in JTT's voiceover, he's like, "Yeah, it was a pretty. Who knew? After only two months, I'd be calling him my dad or two something like that." Months. Yeah, I know. What is it? It's the middle of August right now. So, can you imagine in the middle of June? Uh, being introduced to a bunch of these sorts of plot points, and then by now being like, and then they're all at a wedding. I'm in love with this person. Everything's good and happy, hunky dory in the world. The, this, the, my, yeah, I'm friends with this kid whose dad never speaks and just dances like a clown. <laughs> and Why now he's and now he's at my wedding. Um, yeah, so you know his his you know boss reams him out for yeah. this, pulls him off. Basically the case. tells him get your priorities in order. Yeah. And then, and then Jack goes home to Farah and is is telling her like, "Hey, I, you know, I I got pulled off this case. That's never happened before. I can either be a U.S. attorney or I can be an Indian guide. You know, like he's saying like, "Hey, my career, which is objectively important, like anyone's career yeah. is important, but also when you're a U.S. attorney prosecuting criminals, it's a very important thing, a thing you've put your yeah. entire life into." And she says, "Can't you give it another chance?" It's a, oh, there's so many layers to this because. At the same time, my thought was, maybe don't say this to a single mother who is, you know, trying to juggle 8,000 things rather than just you trying to be the part-time father of her son while trying to keep your job. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, they both have legitimate points to be making. I just wish that she would have been a little more understanding of, like... Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I also don't think he should be belly aching about this. Well, I don't know. I think it's I think it's good communication to open it up. <laughs> this is, I guess this is the fraught debate portion of our of our podcast <laughs> where, we, where we try to figure out who's in the right here. Uh, I'll tell you who's not, JTT. Yeah, who is, li- who is listening to all of this and is going like, oh yeah. He bursts through the wall yes. with a bunch of Kool-Aid in his hand. Uh, well, and inside of him because he's he's become the Kool-Aid. He's the Kool-Aid boy. Uh, and so he uh, yells down. He's like, well, you don't have to do anything anyway. Yeah. And then storms off into his bedroom. Oh, you're, you're giving up because you lost interest, you know, just like my dad. And Chevy Chase is saying, like, well, what if, what if we go to baseball games or movies? And he's like, yeah, until you get tired of doing that too. Slam. Uh, to me, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable suggestion. No, it doesn't. <laughs> It really does not. <laughs> if you have, if you're an attorney for the government and you have a huge case on your hands, just go. Okay, I can't do Indian guides right now, but you know what? I could swing a Sunday. Yeah, like <laughs> once a week. Yeah, you, you know, I, and and so, so then then Farrah Fawcett is mad at him, and he's saying like, "Well, I'm doing the best I can," and she says, "Well, it seems like it's not good enough." He says, "Well, what is that supposed to mean?" And she says, "Maybe I made a mistake." 
What? It's a lot. It's a lot. You're, you're, she's giving, it's, it is really, again, this, like, JTT is this puppet master pulling all the strings of these two adults' lives. Uh, Funny you say that. Oh, was he in the movie called Puppet Master? <laughs> no, uh, I just want to show you the the poster for this movie. Oh, this is this is going to be great because poster is always. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> well the poster for this movie, take a look at it. Is uh, is Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, treating Chevy Chase like a marionette? Jack wants to marry Ben's mother, but there are strings attached. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, wow. So. Uh, yeah, but so anyway, uh, you know, Chevy talks to Farah about this, and you know, it kind of just comes down to okay, well, I, you know, I want this relationship to work, so I guess I'll be a U.S. attorney and an Indian guide. Yeah, he kind of recommits himself to this whole idea of being a stepfather, uh, and decides to go upstairs and talk to JTT. Yes, uh, he knocks on the door, only to find that JTT is on the phone with uh, presumably Monroe. Monroe yeah. Uh, bragging about what he's done to Chevy and uh, Chevy overhears it all. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah, he'll be back in Tacoma by tomorrow and you know, I don't have to do this stupid Indian guide thing anymore. And so Chevy comes downstairs very sad and... The music is really working overtime here. Like, I don't feel anything for any character here, but the music really wants me to think I do. Chevy Chase is, like, his, his, he's got this very... Th- like, he's never acting that much in this movie. This is basically Chevy Chase with no expression on his Chevy face. <laughs> and he goes and he sits down in... A, you know, he tells Farrah Fawcett he can't come to bed. He has a lot of work to do. And so yep. he takes a big heavy book and he sits down and looks at the book in his lap. As you do when you are upset. Yes, yeah, if you're looking at a big, heavy book. <clears throat> then we go to uh, the next day at school. I assumed it was JTT school. Uh, we don't have confirmation of that. Uh, well, it, we see the, the exterior shows that it's a high school. I promise you they used the same school interior, oh, though. Yes. That, like, it looks, the hallway that Chevy Chase walks down yeah. looks the same. Uh, but he pops into uh, shop class where Norm is uh, uh, prepping for his next uh, his next hour. Uh now, I know that they made a sitcom about George Went that did not last very long called The George Went Show, now, where he was a mechanic and it didn't last. I'm just going to say, George Went plays a shop teacher, and he's got a bunch of sassy-ass kids in his class, and, and that's my pitch. <laughs> Get at me. This show will be amazing. George Went, but a shop yeah. teacher. I, I think you forget that George Went has aged since the 90s. no. no. <laughs> No, George Went is still, like, in his late 40s. Okay, no, nothing right. has changed. Nothing has changed, Landon. Look, look I'll prove When he was in his late 20s, he was in his mid-40s, and yeah. now that he's, you know, in his mid-70s, he's still in his mid-40s. Yeah, look, you, you think that I'm wrong, but look, we can turn on any episode of Cheers right now. He'll still be in his late 40s. I'm, I'm, I'm vindicated. I'm correct. Uh, but this is another kind of sweet scene where yeah. uh, Chevy has actually shown up to ask uh, Norm's advice about uh, how, to do, how to do stepfathering. And, and he's kind of, like, dancing around the subject he doesn't really want to ask. And, and you know, Norm is saying to him, like, God, does it, always, does it always take you this long to get to the point? And so he finally opens up that he's having trouble with, you know, getting getting ingratiated yeah. into Ben's life. And Norm says, God, why is it so hard for men to talk about their feelings? And then he basically answers his own question and says, it's because we're all part of the same tribe, the emotionally constipated American male over 40. I'm like, wow, wow, Norm, you've been listening to the Fraser Crane show. This is really, <laughs> like, like, this is... Yet this is. I've been watching a lot of stuff from the late '80s and '90s, yeah. and the they shoehorn this kind of psychoanalytic dialogue into everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, to characters who would never even look at that sort of stuff or pay any heed 
that realm of science uh, are just like this moment here where it's just like he he would he would never know that he would not know that you know George Wendt is large he contains multitudes he might be into this sort of thing <laughs> okay fine um, and the, then he well he tells himself you know that uh, in order to the, the trick to it is that you have to kind of be a kid yourself you yeah. have to be okay being that and yeah trust me in the end it's worth it yeah uh, and I, I had a question about that because I feel like that is something that is said a lot. Uh, from about parenting in movies and TV, where it's like, in the end, it's worth it. But they're always saying it, just like George Wendt is here, when the kid's 10 or 11, yeah. where it's like, but you don't know the end yet. Like, like, You're not at the end. The hardest fucking part is ahead of you, dude. <laughs> like, like, the, like three years from now, your kid is going to be trying weed and driving fast. Like, that's, it's, <laughs> like, is it going to be worth it then? Yeah. Uh, so I just, that, that line of, that is used all the time is bullshit and i don't ever want to hear it again yeah yeah we are taking a hardline stance against children in general then we cut to the 90s where jtt is rollerblading through the city you almost this the only more 90s scene than this is in so i married an axe murderer when they cut to uh when they cut to mike myers and his friend riding a police boat out to alcatraz while two princes plays (laughs) This is yes. all my, but and instead what he's listening to is hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back? Oh, and he's listening to it on his Walkman. Yep. Ugh. Uh, and he rollerblades his way into the house, um, where uh, Chevy has decided to bring uh, well, Red Crow. Well, now, now, first, like he comes in, and first it's Chevy and Farah sitting in the ultimate. Your mother and I wanted to have a talk with you. Position, like it's, it's. We found weed in your room. Yeah. How how long were they? Were they sitting there for like an hour before the door opened? Or Jack, my butt's kind of going to sleep. No, I think he's going to get back soon. I can hear roller skates in the hall. <laughs> yeah, oh my so, god. Yeah. So he comes in, and and yeah, he reveals that Red Crow is there. Yeah. Uh, that because Chevy now knows. JTT's plan. He's yeah. going to get rid of them. Yeah. So J, uh, Chevy's like, you know what? No, I'm going to make you commit to this without you knowing. And the way I'm going to do that is through cultural guilt. Yes. I've brought uh, a Native American here, and uh, he's going to show the tribe how to do some of these things. We're going to be the best. Uh, we're going to be the best tribe of all of them. Implying that there's no some tribe sort better of... than us. <laughs> this tribe is huge. <laughs> uh, there, yeah. So like, implying that I guess there's some sort of competition or hierarchy of these father-son Indian appropriation things. I guess so. And also, just let's point out that that Red Crow, you know, this guy is an attorney. So you know, representing his tribes, tribe in matters with the federal government. Yeah. Still has time to come to Chevy Chase's house and teach his culture to a bunch of white guys. Furthermore, unlike Chevy, who doesn't have time to do both. Yes, exactly, exactly. Furthermore, they were on like they were on opposite sides of it. Like like Chevy Chase was arguing the government's yes. case against this guy's tribe and his land, and then says, and then Chevy Chase shows up in court with war paint all over him, which this guy takes as a direct insult to his entire heritage. And then Chevy Chase is like, "Hey, can you teach your heritage to me and my kid?" Yeah, but you know how you know that he's a, he's a cool. Native American. It's because he One greets people ones. by saying, how? Yeah, oh, God. You... I just say that because it gets people to laugh. And, oh, man. Oh, it made me... Like, that made me the most uncomfortable. I think that was the most uncomfortable I got, was seeing this this genuine Native American actor who is actually a chief of his tribe engaging in the most... Oh, God. Like, the most, like... Uh, that's, that's basically minstrel <laughs> shit for Native Americans right there. 
Yeah. And, um, and he also does like three jokes about that. Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to help out because your dad traded me a bunch of pelts and beads. And oh, God. Yeah, it's... Oh. I'm I'm not uh, well equipped to discuss it. Just made me uncomfortable, so I'm not going to go further into it. Yeah. And then uh, just as uh, JTT rollerbladed us into the '90s, uh, we get the most '90s '90s-ish music cue that has ever existed. And now, uh, before you say it, everybody at home, I want you to say out loud what song you think is playing. What song you think that we're going to go into? We're going to give you a second to do that. You're right. Everybody dance now. Because <laughs> uh, we are going into a montage, We've got to cut to such a montage. Like, I, this montage was like, I don't know. I think it was, I think honestly not to engage in appropriation. I think this is like what peyote is like. Because I thought that I was going crazy. We get a montage of, of uh, Red Crow... Teaching the the like Indian what's the name of this fucking club they're in the Indian Scouts Indian or, guides the Indian guides teaching the oh the four Indian guides the four dads and their four kids in a park teaching them how to do a rain dance teaching them how to shoot arrows teach, archeries yeah yeah te- teaching them how to throw a tomahawk and don't forget the dancing oh yeah well no the rain dance he's teaching yeah. them how to do the ra- so there's like it's like him it starts with him doing a genuine Native American rain dance right cut to all of these white dudes clowning, doing fake dances. Yeah. This, this is... Then cut to archery. Yeah. And then we don't want to forget the dancing. Yeah. More dancing. Like, it's... it's Okay, it's the ultimate... It's like it's like how South Park has mocked the montage in the past, where it's like, <laughs> you know, they're doing a bunch of things, but there's one thing where it's like, first they're bad at it, then they're a little better at it, then they're yeah. a little better at it. By the end of it, they're really good at it. Gonna we be a montage. Don't have time to show it all. <laughs> but, so, so there, there's... I mean, I just can't... Like, so part of me is like, oh, God, this is so wrong. Like, these guys making a joke out of out of failing to do this very important spiritual, cultural yep. Native American dance. But then also that George Went Dancing is really funny, <laughs> but I shouldn't be laughing at this. But it's George Went Dancing. It goes, this montage goes on so this, long. This is, the, this is the scenes from an Italian restaurant of montages. <laughs> it, it is like seven minutes. And I, listen, I grew up on CNC and the Music Factory. Uh, the CNC Did, music factory. Were you a child? Were you a child labor situation? Were you working in the music factory? <laughs> they made me sweat till I bled. Um, <laughs> you should have talked to the union about that. The CNC Music Union. They Local use 184. everybody dance now. Uh, wait, what's the name of it? I don't even think that's the name of "Gonna Make You Sweat." Is the name of the song? Wait, uh, wait, wait. That the song is called "Gonna Make You Sweat." It's yeah. not called "Everybody Dance Now." It's the most recognizable line from it. Based on the the lyric, gonna make you sweat till you bleed. Hope that stuffed enough, dope enough, indeed. I paid the price to control the dice. I'm more precise to the point. I'm nice. Music takes control of heart and soul and fold. Body is hot. <laughs> anyway, they the song in general is long, and they use the whole thing. <laughs> we for, paid for it. We're gonna use it. Uh, some things that we didn't mention in this montage. Uh, Farrah Fawcett uses her art skills to silk screen sweatshirts. <laughs> And, and she and Chevy Chase are holding up and kind of dancing around behind them. <laughs> as if the music is still playing in their heads. <laughs> they played that song for three weeks straight yeah. as, they, as they learned all this. They get into tomahawks, uh, some axe throwing where uh, Chevy Chase paints a full-size cutout in, in full Tim Taylor fashion. True. As a, a cutout of uh, Custer. Yeah, General and Custer. puts him up next to the hay bales uh, so that they can throw 
tomahawks at him and nails that uh, Custer right in the right in the crotch. And and to which Jimbo clutches at his dick as though he's as though he's feeling empathy with it. And I have to say, I I do. For how much this movie is doing wrong, I do kind of respect that at least they do throw a tomahawk at at General Custer's dick. Yeah. Like it's at least like this is a bad guy. We're, we can make a joke out of hurting him. Like okay, you did one thing right. Would you say they castrated him? <laughs> Folks, you're listening to the best the best podcast ever, Landon. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, they get better at archery. In fact, JTT, believe it or not, he started this montage. I don't know if you remember. Oh. He started this montage reading a comic book, completely disinterested in any of the activities the other boys were doing. Landon, on the back of that comic book, was there an advertisement for a popular animated film from the 90s? Yes, in fact, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Was it Was it a, a movie about, uh, let's say, a regent of some sort that was an animal? Maybe a tiger, <laughs> maybe a bear? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. It was actually uh, the the Tiger Queen. Yes, the Tiger Queen. Oh God, <laughs> that is by far my favorite drag show. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but no, he's not into it at all. He's just sitting off reading a reading a, a a comic book. Yeah. And then there's all these like individual one off shots of individual people trying to do the rain dance, yeah. and he gets like shoved into Thrown frame, into it, yeah. and just is half heartedly doing it. But then, and same with archery, he's like forced a, a bow in his hands, and then. By the end of it, he's dancing, he gets a bullseye, he can throw a tomahawk. Mon- Monroe rides up on his bike and is like, dude, come on, let's go do 90s stuff. And, he, and he's like practicing his rain dance. He's like, no, sorry, I gotta practice my rain I dance. I found a whole new level of 90s over yeah. here. <laughs> I'm walking like an Egyptian now. Because, in fact, one of them is walking like an Egyptian when he's trying to do the, the rain dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then by the end of it... Uh, As they go into a choreographed uh, rain dance. All, which all is in unison. The least effort anyone has ever put into choreography it's really just picture your arms out as if you're flying a plane you know like you're playing playing fly a plane landon is demonstrating for me the only other person who's seen this movie (laughs) uh and it's really just kind of tilting your body back and forth with your arms in the air and then doing one spin and then doing more tilting yeah i mean this is less bad for me because at least they're actually trying to do a rain dance and not just like, ho, 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 his but culture. Is it the, I, don't, I don't know what a rain dance. I don't well, even it, know it, that a rain dance is a real thing. No, I think it's an actual thing. Like, it's the thing, like, they're doing the thing that, that Red Crow was doing at the beginning of this of the montage. Yeah, right, but I'm not even saying that's a real thing. I, I mean, I'm just saying I don't know. Okay, I'm just saying, like, I'm not I'm, putting it past Disney for making shit up. I hear what you're just saying and what I'm just saying is that is that within the context of this scene where we're assuming that Red Crow's thing is authentic, they are at least doing the authentic thing and not just, like, capering around being silly. Fair. Okay, yes. And, but then, you know, uh, now we saw Red Crow do his rain dance earlier. Yeah. Now it's these eight white people doing their rain dance that makes yeah. it start to rain. It does start to rain, and uh, oh my goodness, Red Crow is surprised. Yes. Oh, but he gets a lot of entertainment out of this because he starts clapping and laughing. Yep, yep. So everybody had a good time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and so then by the end of it, um, you know, okay, this is my note. Ben is exhausted, Jack and Farrah bone down. Uh, <laughs> because it cuts to, you know, uh, JTT is passed out in bed, yeah. and Ben comes in to tell him, or uh, Jack comes in to 
Chevy Chase comes in to tell him it's time for... Uh, hard copy. Yeah, hard which is a very good 90s bit. <laughs> and, uh, and but he's fast asleep, and then Fer- and he's like, ah, I'm really exhausted too. And Farrah's like, oh, we should go to bed then. I'm Jill Taylor in this moment. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're definitely going to bone down. She, uh, he says, like, I got so much work to do. And she says, no, it'll be quick. It'll only be a few hours. And I'm just, mm, Farrah. <laughs> She's a plate. Uh, my question from this scene is, are we led to believe that this montage was one day i don't know well i mean this whole movie is supposed to be two months <laughs> this montage felt like two months so then that's even worse because it implies that yeah to get good enough at native american culture that you can fling a tomahawk shoot an arrow with deadly accuracy and make and summon the rain with your dancing it takes about a day about not day. not even a full day just an afternoon it takes one afternoon <laughs> and also that the jtt's you know, at the beginning of it, he's not into it, but then midway through, he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm into it. An hour ago, I wasn't feeling it, but now I've overcome my... Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> so. Uh, so they go fuck, and um, uh, we cut to the morning. Chevy asks uh, JTT about having uh, Norm Jr. over for a sleepover. Yeah. Says and, that, you know, he doesn't have many friends, and I think it would mean a lot to him. And JTT doesn't want to do this, but uh, but uh, Jack, in a moment of actual parenting, kind of says, no, just do it, okay? Yeah. Just do it. And in another act of uh, uh, parenting, hands him uh, yogurt with granola and the biggest ass strawberry you've ever seen. A so. strawberry so massive that I thought we had shrunk. <laughs> we, we're we seeing, uh, you know, people learning and uh, doing, doing stuff. People learning, people doing. I'm... Man selling ice cream. Uh, so they they set, uh, they they set up uh, an authentic teepee. Well, Red Crow is set up oh, God. A, yes, an authentic, authentic authentic Indian teepee on their on the roof of their loft. Mind you, this teepee has smiley faces painted on it, so I yep. don't know how authentic the smiley face smiley face is. and nylon stitching uh, the whole authentic nine yards. And again. Uh, hey, Red Crow. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so you're filing some important legal briefs on behalf of your of your tribe's uh, sacred land. Okay, can you come over to my place and and set up a teepee on my roof? Yeah, thanks, bud. Okay, that's great. I, I gotta go play squash. Oh my goodness. Um, that was uh, scene. That scene. was that, yeah, was, the, that, was, that was the phone conversation. In yeah, <laughs> you know, I could almost hear the other end of that line. Yeah. Uh, so we we cut to the rooftop where uh, it is JTT and Norm. Um, sitting outside this you know authentic uh uh tent that they have and uh norm hands over jtt a authentic indian vest <laughs> they they really go to town on these authentic uh, and, uh terms and he says like and he says i made it myself but it's also like it's an authentic indian vest i made it myself but you made it yourself it's not authentic <laughs> Yeah. No, George Wendt's son is not Native American. (laughs) George Wendt is a lot of things. He contains multitudes, but one of those multitudes is not Native American. Who knows what ancestry he has? I'm 116th. I don't don't display that for anybody, and I certainly wouldn't identify as such. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud to have it, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) I'm just just a a big old Scandinavian dude sitting here. Um, JTT, he says, I can't understand why you would do this. Yeah. Why would you give me a gift? Why would you do this? Why would you do this nice thing? <laughs> uh, and his uh, uh, thought is, oh, I know how to reciprocate. Let's go play video games. Yeah. I just got the new subhumanoid Slaughterhouse 5000. And they talk, I really wish I'd taken better notes on this, because they talk about the game 
so much as they're walking down inside. It's like, oh man, yeah, it's it's so great. You got to look out for Douglas the Vampire Troll. Like his head, when you shoot him, his head explodes like a like a zit. Yeah, and it's I'm just oh man, I want to live in the world that screenwriters in the '90s thought video games were. I it's one of my pet peeves when people come up. They do it on Home Improvement a lot. Oh too, yeah, where they come up with video games as if they have some sort of inkling. I think the '90s had you know because it was pre-internet time yeah and all the way up to i think the last movie that is egregious in this is enemy of the state with uh um yeah, will, will smith, smith. Yeah. where they really go hard on the like the enhance enhance mm-hmm. this idea that we'll never understand technology if we're not born and bred into it and, yeah you know uh it really drives me nuts i hate it so much yeah uh so, but Chevy's listening in on this conversation uh, of this blossoming friendship happening. Yeah, um, and, and we go to school the yes, next day, where and JTT is wearing the vest. I'm gonna keep cutting you off. No, 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 keep keep cutting me off. Like you're you're moving me along to the places <laughs> I don't want to be moving to. Uh, JTT defends the uh, his Native American appropriation, um, and sees some bullies trying to beat up Norm Jr. Yeah, and he. He says, "Hey, leave him alone." He starts doing a bunch of karate moves. So actually, they do they do get a get a zing in on Asian cultures too, because he's going like, yeah. little little Bruce Lee action, well, a little bit, which seems to come out of nowhere because at no point do we see him interested in Bruce Lee nope. martial arts. No, nope. uh, short of uh, playing Final Fight, it never really seems to be his deal. It's Virtua Fighter. Virtua Fighter. Oof, oof. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh. And so he he strikes this pose, and then in another funny moment that I liked, we smash cut to a close-up shot of two lockers next to each other and hear the muffled voices of Norm Jr. and Ben talking (laughs) as the camera pulls back. And Ben's saying, like, sorry, I tried to help. Wow, it's really kind of peaceful in here. I like it. (laughs) Uh, Then we go to uh, the canoe trip. Oh, Um, yes. There's a a big canoe trip between all the fathers and sons, um, and they're meeting at a meeting place i guess yeah to load up all the cars and uh head out together uh chevy chase has not yet arrived he's coming presumably from work uh we don't really know what his origin is um and uh this is where can you guess uh what where we get the the necessary conflict to drive us into the third act yes yeah and it is kids throwing a rock back and forth oh yes (laughs) Yeah, these two, yeah, like, we get this shot of the kids as the dads are waiting for Chevy Chase, and it's just like, JTT and Norm Jr. are throwing a rock back and forth to each other, and it's like, you've got video games, like, yeah. you're just playing video games, and now you're playing rock? And uh, so the the, conf- the real conflict of the scene is that uh, Chevy has promised JTT that he'll be there uh, for this camping trip, and this is really indicative of just how mismanaged the story is because that's an important plot point. Yeah, you, you've kind of laid a little bit of the groundwork that this is, uh, you know, the whole deal with JTT. But if you're not going to show us the moments in which Chevy is trying to be different than his father then I can't invest in this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you, I mean, just like the Chevy getting berated by his boss saying, you're unprepared, you're being unprofessional, you're setting stuff aside. Like, I need to see these scenes. Yeah. We needed to see him, I like... Need three minutes less of Indian dancing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot more of these other scenes. And three minutes less of miming, maybe. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah, like, if we'd, if we'd seen, A, it being established that, that promises are sacrosanct to JTT's character, then we see Chevy promising this, then he breaks the promise. Yeah. It would make more sense. 
but even then, it doesn't really make sense because, you know, uh, uh, Chevy is racing to get there when uh, he finds out that his brakes have been cut and three <gasps> mob dudes, the same three mob dudes, oh, driving it. Oh, I was going to ask if they were different. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. This is Polly Walnuts and, uh, and, and <laughs> Silvio Dante and Tony Soprano. Uh, they were driving along in a U-Haul panel truck behind him, ramming his car, and... Um, a, a Just old, completely non, you know, indiscreet. Uh, it has just... to look like an accident, Landon. <laughs> a car accident. Ah, okay. And... Yeah, so they try and run him off the road, and there's a whole lot of him careening through the streets and almost hitting things and yeah. driving over sidewalks, and his car drives straight into the water. And yes, it does. the mob guys then... At no point does he think, oh, maybe I should use my emergency brake to slow the car down and uh, potentially save tons of lives. Would have been a good idea, but, you know, hey, maybe he's thinking, I'll get to my kid's thing faster with no brakes. <laughs> so he crashes into the water... And the mob guys pull up and are, are watching, and then we see Chevy Chase surface from underneath the water, and one of the mob guys goes, oh man, I, I know I cut his brakes, I don't know how this happened, and it's like, well, yeah, you cut the brakes just fine, he just escaped from the car. <laughs> Like, it doesn't have, like, don't blame yeah. yourself, like, he just, he escaped. And P.S., we have three very stereotypically looking mobsters standing on a harbor looking out at an accident speaking in broad daylight about trying to kill him yeah uh which is not very discreet well but th but to be fair land and they then say let's get out of here before anyone notices us and then turn uh, around and walk through the it. crowd of people around them yeah. to leave i'm sorry <sighs> that was my bad uh but meanwhile back at the can uh the canoe trip it is uh it's it's 47 minutes past noon yes when chevy said he was going to be there so Oof. they got to get going yeah they just they have no other choice yeah they have no other choice but to, you know, they, and George, uh, Norm, explains to, uh, to, to JTT that, oh, well, your dad's not here, so basically you can't come unless you want to come and ride in our canoe. He's not my dad. <laughs> and uh, JTT says, oh, well, I didn't want to go anyway. Uh, and then we get a series of shots of uh, uh, George Wentz waving out the, the window. They just straight up leave him. Here. Just sit. Just uh, leave. Abandon this child alone at the waterfront in 1995 <laughs> in a downtown area where mobsters are driving around. Yeah, and uh, this yeah, actually gets JTT to cry though. Well, yes, this gets him to, to cry, or it gets some some like eye drops to be poured onto his face. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's there. He's there uh, crying. Yeah, and uh, and he takes off his feather headdress. Ooh, symbolic. Probably, or it was chafing his uh, forehead. Uh, back home, Farah is making more art, and uh, JTT comes home upset, clearly. Uh, and she tries to comfort him, but uh, JTT throws um, Dati... Uh, I died. I just died right then. Dati? <laughs> he, he throws uh, the dad excuse back in oh, her face. Oh, right, that, right. Uh, that men just break their promises. Yeah, yeah. It's like he promised he'd be there, and she's like, oh, well, I'm sure he had a good reason. Well, yeah, dad usually had a good reason, right. too. Just being a little dick. Uh, I didn't ask to be born, Mom. I mean, listen, he, he's entitled to his experience and his feelings and everything, but at a certain point you have to be you have to teach respect to others. Yeah. I mean, no one's asking what Farrah's going through in this movie. Yeah, no. She's apparently going through making a lot of art. Like this <laughs> this movie, I have to say, there's an untold story that she's having a creative renaissance because all she's got so much time to make art while while uh, Jack and Ben are off running around yeah. having adventures and a, and a variety of it too. I mean, she's making uh, uh, windmills. Uh, she's making you know just general paintings to put on the wall, murals, found item 
uh, collages. She's getting into like video mixed media stuff. <laughs> she and Andy Warhol are doing a collaboration at the factory. There was a lampshade uh, earlier in the movie that actually looked like one of the Midsummer uh, uh, murals. <laughs> Uh yeah, you know she's painting soup cans. It's it's everything. Like I'm sure. So she, I guess she's the real the real winner in this movie. Like she gets most of the movie to just do her own thing. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. The that's the real thing is just like I need to get the kid out of the house. So I'm just gonna find a man and just send them both out, and I'm gonna have the room all to my place. Yeah. What? Ro- the room all to my place. Yep. <laughs> uh. So at this point, Jack comes home. Jack, soaking wet. Uh, oh, that's right, because he fell in, Chase. fell in the... Uh, as he claims, he got caught in a downpour. Yeah, because he's clearly he's clearly broken his stepson's-to-be's heart, and his girlfriend is clearly really upset at him. And so does he explain, hey, as a result of my career, uh, I uh, there was an attempt made on my life by the mob. Yeah. You guys might be in danger, too. Sorry I missed your canoe trip. Uh, but my throat was almost, I was almost swimming with the fishes. Yeah, yeah, or sleeping with them, as it were. Yeah, does he explain any of this? No. Oh, I had some car trouble. Oh, I got caught in a downpour. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And so everyone's pissed at him. And he promises Ben, no matter what, I will make it to your 4th of July camping trip. There's no way I could possibly miss that. And then he flicks him off, says, fuck you, and then walks out of the room. Yep. Uh, And this leaves uh, Chevy to be a little downtrodden, and he flops down in a chair, in which Farrah says, uh, get out of the chair with your wet clothes, to which Chevy replies, sorry, I was almost killed today. Yeah, except except no, except he just says sorry. Oh, my bad. Yeah, uh, sorry, missed it. And then it. she goes, well, you know, he's just upset right now because you broke a promise to him. And Chevy goes, sorry, I was almost killed today. I, no, actually, I, I don't, I think you got that wrong. I don't think he mentioned almost getting killed. My bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, at any event, uh, he does say that he will be there for the 4th of July event, which yeah. this is the point where I got confused because... JTT's in school, but the 4th of July is happening. And Sc- like, school is year-round in this is Seattle. Only two months, then... Who knows? I, none of it makes sense to me. But we cut to uh, the partner office uh, where uh, Chevy's boss tells him uh, that, you know what? Oh, yes. Uh, I just got, you know, this confidential report from the police department uh, that there's absolutely no conflict of me telling you there's been an attempt on your life. Well, yeah, like he, he said, like, your suspi- your suspicions were correct. The, your brakes were cut. Yeah, it was yeah. the mob guys. Not not have an investigator, not have someone of, you know, security and importance tell him these things. It's his boss. Well, as I, that happens. I mean, they'd have to pay another actor at that point. They just <laughs> spent a lot of money on a pointless, uh, you know, zany car chase. But so he says to him, like, like, look, we, we're gonna we're gonna transfer you to Portland, you know, through the end of July. We're gonna have the U.S. Marshals look at this. You know, your life is in danger. And Chevy Chase is like, nope, I absolutely can't do it. Nope, you're gonna have to fire me if you, you know, if you'd rather. Like, I'm gonna. I'm not asking you. This is an order. Yeah. Like, oh, your life. His life isn't. None of that made sense. This whole interaction is just like yeah. you can't order an employee to move for their, you know, uh, their safety. I mean, that's not the thing that doesn't make sense. The thing that doesn't make sense here is that he can't just explain to his girlfriend and yeah, stepson... Yeah, that doesn't make sense either. ...that my life is in danger, ergo, yours also, because the mob does that. Yeah. And just, hey, let's go to Portland. Portland is great. It kicks the shit out of Seattle. Yeah. Uh, no, no one no one wants to do that. And he says that, uh, you know, more important than my life is this camping trip with Ben. Yep. Uh, and, wa- and, and walks out. And we cut... To the forest, 
uh, <laughs> as one does in a '90s movie. Yep, yep. Uh, so they're they're all hiking through the woods. Yep. And and Chevy Chase says, "Oh, why don't we why don't we you know sing a sing a song as we walk?" And he suggests Louie Louie. And, like, and uh, actually, Jimbo chimes in, like, actually, uh, I think it's Louis Luai. Yeah. And now, also, none of this needs to be here. None of this is important. <laughs> nope. This is the biggest waste. It's, it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's, that's a great thing about Louis Louis. Nobody knows, like, I don't think the kids know the words. Oh, uh, nobody really knows the words. You can just kind of hum along and it all counts. And they, so, Louis Louis, you burned. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, the Kingsmen, who are from Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? I didn't know that. If only Chevy Chase had gone there, he could have learned the lyrics to Louie Louie. Uh, so they find a, a site where they want to put up all their tents. Do I mean, okay. they, they, they're hiking along. They start singing Louie Louie. Louie Louie then starts playing on the soundtrack. Oh, so right, they yeah. licensed Louie Louie for 20 well, seconds. Disney. They can afford whatever the fuck I, they want. I guess. Except an other actor to portray <laughs> like a U.S. Marshal on this. But so we follow them hiking along through the woods camera whip pans back the three mob dudes in full suits are standing right there right there watching them like 10 feet behind them staring at them as they sing they do magically unnoticed yeah it's uh it's a little it's wicked and and let's just also point out that three mob guys who've hiked into the woods to kill chevy chase are wearing their suits and have no outdoor gear whatsoever (laughs) and i'm not even going to criticize the logic of that because i get that that's part of the goof i guess so uh, and what a goof it is! And look, and if we've learned anything from the Sopranos episode Pine Barrens, it's that mob guys hate being in the woods. <laughs> I have not seen the Sopranos. I I really hope that at least one of our listeners has seen Sopranos and is just chortling at that reference to arguably one of the best episodes. Uh, but I I'm Italian and I don't particularly like the woods. Oh well, then you're gonna have a great time on our camping trip. <laughs> Are we going to take all of this uh, newfound information we have oh, to our camping trip? We're going to we're going to sing Louie Louie the whole damn time. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we get a little cut in time where they are putting up tents, and we are uh, at this point. I I was on the side of the gangsters. I'm like, just kill everybody. Yeah, this is going to make a much better ending to this movie. Except George went. Let George went live to tell the tale. He he ducks inside of a, a teepee to you have know, a beer. <laughs> to have a beer, uh, and when he comes out, the massacre has happened. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I don't want to go there because that's kind of we're in a dicey situation in the world right now where all that's happening. I don't wish that on anybody, even I, fictional characters. Okay, fair, but if that did happen, then he then I mean he comes back to to cheers. Norm, hey Norm, how was your trip to Washington? I don't want to talk about it, Woody. <laughs> Um, I haven't got a clever joke for this one. So for this, you know, you'd think that the montage to Everybody Dance Now would have uh, changed JTT's attitude toward being involved and and contributing to everything. But no, uh, he's just sitting to the side while all the other fathers and sons are putting together these uh, TPs and tents. And he's just playing video games. Yeah, well, you see, you see, Chevy Chase let him down one time, so all the good work has been has been undone. undone yeah. yeah. Uh, so then he goes, "All right, Chevy says, well, if you're not going to help, then uh, I'll just ask somebody else. Hey, Lloyd, uh, Silent Thunder, would you uh, come help me put up the tent? And for some reason, uh, Lloyd could not be more excited to help. Yes, and he springs up and he goes over to Chevy. And to help him, and Chevy leans over and whispers in his ear. This is the worst part of this scene, right here, what happens, This what this pretext sets up. He leans over, and he whispers into his ear, let's make him laugh. And then they just they just do slapstick for Ugh, so long. It is, it's, 
painful. And you and you know, like the director was like, "Oh shit, we've got Chevy Chase in this movie. Let's get a clown. And we have an actual clown in this movie." I'm sure they cast the clown because they knew they had Chevy Chase, and they were like, <laughs> "This is going to be the highlight of the movie." Is them trying to set up this teepee, and it's just, um, you know. You seen a guy get whacked in the face with a with a teepee pole while the other guy's turning around? Yeah. Well, that happened seven or eight times. I was a little envious when the hammer struck him in the face because I'm like, that sounds a little more better than uh, watching somebody get a hammer struck in the face. You do this. enough damage, it might make you forget that this movie is happening. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, during this these shenanigans happening. Uh, uh, I mean, the other, their fathers and sons are actually laughing and, you know, getting a, 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 a kick, a joke, what, what's the word I'm looking uh, getting, for, a laugh? Yeah, getting, getting a guffaw out of this. Yeah. The two people sitting on the couch who this movie was made to entertain were not laughing no, at this. No, not at all. Uh, and the gangsters are watching through a sniper scope. Yeah. Uh, all of this happening. Yeah. And, but of course, not gonna pull that trigger. Gotta make it look like an accident. Uh, <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on you what what happens next the next scene okay so they're sitting around the campfire and, later it's nighttime and and chevy chase suggests that they uh they you know hey why don't you know maybe someone should tell a story and and chevy chase says well i know one an old native american story that was passed down for generations and generations and generations and and then old, i heard it or or maybe or maybe it was just or maybe it was then just on an episode of f troop you remember that show yes. f troop it's the one where they had all the italian american actors play native americans and they all talk like this and then one of the kids says that's not an authentic native accent and chevy chase says yes but i do for comedic effect now <laughs> <laughs> that this like this movie is doing every type of bad thing about Native Americans, like and it has repeated. The movie has repeatedly gone out of its way to acknowledge, like it's gone out of its way to acknowledge there are Native Americans who have authentic traditions who are offended by what we do here, but we're gonna keep doing them. And then it goes even further out of its way to acknowledge the way that I'm speaking is is not authentic and it's offensive to Native Americans. But because I'm doing it as a joke. It's okay. Like it like the blindness here of it just like careening right through <laughs> like like the like the movie is just saying like this is wrong, but it's pretty funny. What happens afterwards is not funny no. at all. Where it's just Chevy Chase walking around the campfire for three and a half, four minutes telling this story. This is the second scene in a row where they preface it by saying, uh, you know, let's make them laugh and this is meant to be uh, you know, comedic. Neither of the two instances are remotely funny. Yeah, yeah. This is just, you know, this story come from many moon ago. They're a great brave name, oh, you know, whatever. I feel uncomfortable with you even doing it. And that's all I need to do. But he tells basically, he recounts the entire story of what's happened between him and Ben and Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. You know, like, oh, there was the, you know, he refers to the Farrah Fawcett in this story as like Chief Goodhair or something like that. But, uh, just... At least it wasn't a squaw. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, fair. There, okay, there's one thing that they did right. But, yeah, so just telling this whole story and, like, how, oh, this new dad is trying to trying to do things right, but, you know, it's it's hard and, uh, you know, just the, the whole thing about how, oh, he really screwed things up, but he really, his heart's in the right place and he wants to do good. Yeah. And he, and afterwards then he asks everybody, well, what do you think of that story? And people are piping up and saying things like, you know... You know, oh, well, I guess it means that you that communication is important and that you need to forgive people and, and give people the benefit of the doubt. And then Jimbo chimes in, sounds like that kid needs a trip to the woodshed. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of child abuse. Just, 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 little, just on top of just the cultural. Hiding, hiding in plain sight. 
And so they they have that whole conversation. So, but like he tells this whole long story that is shitty and only makes sense if you've been paying attention to the story. And everyone sitting around is like loving it. Like George Wendt, yeah. like that's a great story. <laughs> uh, uh, but JTT walks off as everyone is kind of celebrating uh, Chevy Chase's performance art here. Yep. Um, and we cut to the morning where Chevy is sleeping alone in the t- the tent. Yep. TP. I don't even know what it is. It's a, it's a, well, it's a poorly built TP. But yeah, he's sleeping is it alone. Still, or are you just are we just assuming it is because that's what they told us it is? Uh, I mean, everyone else's teepee is, like, the, the canvas goes all the way to the ground. It's not just, like, this thin wrapping. Yeah, but I'm just saying I don't know that this is an actual teepee. I'm just saying that this is the movie telling me it's a teepee, and I'm not fully on board with that, because I can't trust it. I think Native Americans were, did more of a longhouse thing anyway. They built more permanent structures. I think teepees were what they took out on hunting parties. Ah. But, you know, hey, what do I know, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm just Scandinavian. Uh, so... <clears throat> In the morning, yeah, ben, you know Ben isn't there. He has gone to fill the canteens at the river. He gets down to the river where one of the mobs. It's, it's a weird cut because he we cut from it's nighttime. He walks away from the fire, and then we cut to morning, and he's not in the tent. I just assumed that we were turning into a plot point that he has, you know, been kidnapped or abandoned, or you know, he went back home or something. This movie kept faking me out with what <laughs> what like the climax is going to be like at first i was like oh whitewater rafting okay whitewater rafting something happens lost in the wilderness oh not that oh okay uh now ben is ben hasn't forgiven chevy chase but now ben is missing oh the mob guys kidnapped him and chevy chase is gonna rescue him oh nope he's fine that's good like the movie kept it was like oh that would be really dramatic let's not do that <laughs> so you know, we you know we hear that he's gone, and I assume that he's missing. But then we see him carrying canteens down yes. to the river, where he sees uh, the mob guys, and one of them is standing in the river and has caught a fish with his bare hands, and <laughs> which goes on for like three minutes, and it doesn't need to. And they're all yelling to each other about how, oh man, after yeah. we kill, after we kill Chevy Chase, we should come back here and do this again sometime. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't even have to be out here if you'd cut his brakes properly the first time. Just completely laying out the entire story for JTT to hear. These these mob guys, like I, I like I feel like Chevy Chase was never in that much danger to begin with. <laughs> uh, but JTT runs back to camp to tell Chevy about the murder plot and that the gangsters are right up the river. And uh, you know what does Chevy do? Does he say, oh, why don't we all pile into the car and go home and get? the fuck out of here does he say that no no he says uh uh norm and norm jr and everybody else you all pile into the car and go get the forest rangers uh i'm gonna try and lead them up the mountain a little bit and it's what's like this idea that like okay you you guys go get help i'll go deeper into the forest with these idiots chasing me and then you can bring the help back and find me somewhere in this forest <laughs> well they, they'll have those magical rangers with them I guess those magical... Who knows every inch of the, the forest and, and uh, how to find people. I, I That's guess... why there are no people that get lost in the forest in <laughs> any year of uh, history. Yeah, man. it's I'm, I'm just so glad that magic is real and that it lives only in forest <laughs> rangers. I'm also... I, I should also point out that, like... You know, the the much safer thing would just be to like these these mobsters are incompetent and don't seem to know where they are. So if Chevy Chase had just gotten in the car with everyone else, they could have left. Yeah, they would be lost and starved to death, and then the problem is taken care of. Yeah. Uh. So, but he insists on going. By the and so you know he explains at this point to JTT like, oh yeah, they cut the brakes in my car and tried to mm-hmm. kill me, 
and all that. And and then Ben says a bunch of stuff that basically we were saying. It's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell mom? If you told me, I wouldn't have been mad at you. That's a totally legitimate reason to miss the thing. And he's like, I just didn't want to worry you and your mother. I was trying but, to do the right thing. But that's so not the right thing. <laughs> like, the right thing. And also, he so wouldn't have believed him if he did say it. Yeah. This is this, another example of this movie just working on levels that neither of them quite work and make any logical sense whatsoever no no it's just a dearth of, of logical sense uh but he he sends everybody away and he's kind of waving like i'll see you on the other side and uh again we see all this happening through a sniper scope and yeah. we cut to the gangsters and we get the the line where truman goes oh that was in the trailer oh of, yeah uh, richard port now going the fun is about to begin. And the camera the camera is zooming dramatically in on him as he says it. Like, let's look up the trailer for this after yeah. the fact. But it's like, it, the, you know, the first minute or so of establishing who's in it, you know, you know, uh, Chevy Chase is just your, you know, U.S. attorney. But his toughest adversary is this kid. You know, da, da, da. and then it's just like right before they, they cut to the, the whatever pop song, probably Everybody Dance Now. It's like, the fun is about to begin. Bam, 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 bam. Chevy Chase, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and George Went in Getting Even with Dad. Oh, man. You think George Went got a, a trailer call out? Uh, he was a pretty big star in the mid 90s, like coming off Bigger all that Bigger than uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett? Oh, yeah. Farrah Fawcett's in this movie. Farrah Fawcett has disappeared from the movie for a long time at this point. That is very true. Um,. Sorry, I was just looking up the trailer so we can watch it later. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, they they get going. I don't know what transpired here. He waves them off. We get uh, the fun is about to begin. Mm -hmm. The next thing, it's almost like I have a black spot in my memory. The next thing I remember is Chevy Chase falling down a hill. I don't know what caused it. I don't know how he got to that point. But <laughs> he's fallen. That's basically it. They were like, what's Chevy Chase known for? Falling down. We've got a hill. Let's do it. And it's just, I don't even remember him being on top of the hill, near the hill, teetering on the hill. I don't remember anything leading up to he is now falling down the hill. We just cut to Chevy Chase falling down a hill, <laughs> slamming into a log. A log comes flying down a the hill after log. him and lands on his leg. Uh, so right away, pretty pretty bad situation. And then he hears footsteps coming towards him. He's like, oh shit, I'm trapped. I'm going to get shot in the head by uh, a couple of gangsters that are yeah. out here to kill me. But then, do we see, you know, a fancy Italian leather uh, 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 shoe step into frame? Is that what we see? Uh, no, we do not. We see a kid's sneaker and some <gasps> jeans. Oh. But the movie still makes us think that it might be the mob. Uh-oh. And then it's, uh, yeah. It's, a, a reverse shot tells us not. It's JTT. That, nice rhyme. You're a poet, and you don't know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's JTT, and, uh, you know, he helps the... the Get the log off of uh, off of yeah, uh, Chevy Chase's leg. JTT in full Rambo mode. He's yeah. got uh, bows. He's got arrows. He's got a tomahawk. He's uh, got his war paint on. He's got his headdress on. Uh, he's ready to kick some ass. Yes, he is ready. He heard that the fun is about to begin, and he wants part of the fun. Yeah, and and the only thing that he considers fun is violence. <laughs> and so we're at this point where we're like. So Jack's leg is injured. He rolls the yeah. He rolls this leg uh, log off the leg. Yeah. And uh, Chevy Chase props himself up on the other log to sit. And he goes, "Well, my, you know, my leg's throbbing a little bit." And JTT just goes, "Well, I, we can't run away." He's like, "Oh, was that the whole point of this exchange that we just saw? Is just to to have a, an excuse that they can't get away from these gangsters?" And also, this is all intercut with like scenes of the gangsters like bumbling through the woods trying to find God. them, and like clearly. 
like the only reason the gangsters even find them is because they want them to yeah. in the end. I got to I got to be honest in in 80s and 90s movies my to this day least favorite trope are the bumbling goons who don't know you know where the 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 kind of um head boss is behind him kind of smacking him with a hat or something yeah. just like why can't you guys walk straight why can't you just yeah. pick him off off the ground why are you rolling around in them why you this is a just suit you know like i fucking hate that shit so much because uh, it's bad management yelling at them isn't going to make them better goons <laughs> You need to positively reinforce them. You need to give them exactly. criticism sandwiches. <laughs> I really, hey, I really like how you've how you've been, how you took the time out of your weekend to come out here and whack this guy. Ooh. Maybe be a little better about not falling down. Hey, you caught that fish earlier with your bare hands. That was really good. Um, but we cut back to JTT and Chevy, and uh, JTT is now one with the the earth. Well, and also I should just say, like, he's, you know, Ben is insisting that they fight. JTT is insisting that they fight. And Chevy Chase goes, no, man, these are, these are hard killers with guns. And, and, uh, and JTT says, but we have bows and arrows and a tomahawk. And I think that if he had learned anything about authentic Native American history, it would be that that that, that isn't really a fair fight. Yeah. Like, based on the way things shook out with Native Americans, uh. Bows and arrows and tomahawks versus guns is not. Yeah. You don't want to be on the bow arrow tomahawk side. Versus smallpox. Yes. Uh, well, also that. Also that. <laughs> but they decide to stand and fight, and uh, they he, he as I said becomes one with the earth, one with nature, one with uh, the the spirit of the world. He's painting with the wind, and uh, he says, you know, they say, you know, coming from rich, uh, handed down Minotaur tribe lore. You just have to listen to nature, and nature will provide an answer. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I missed the scene in this movie where Jonathan Taylor Thomas reached, you know, uh, the secret level no. of the world. But you have to make a vision board of what you yeah. want nature to give you. So they they sit quiet for a second, and then, then they hear some bees. And bees! like, of course, you know, I thought uh, the perfect way to get rid of gangsters. Not not a pit full of spikes. No. Not a giant log that, if tripped, would swing uh, and kill. You know the AT AT style. Yeah. Uh, not uh, not slingshots with rocks on them. No, 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 never that. No, no, it's bees. Bees. G- because it's a known fact that gangsters hate bees. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's kind of like I'm playing Mega Man right yeah. now. I'm replaying all the Mega Man games, and it's yeah. like I don't know if you ever played Mega Man growing up, but. There's always a boss, and then when you beat them, you get, get their, their powers. Yeah. But then their powers, uh, each boss has a, a secret weakness against another boss's powers. Oh, okay. And uh, that's kind of what this feels like here, is that uh, <laughs> gangsters' uh, secret weakness are bees. And then when the man and when and then when they beat the gangsters, they get their special power, which is pizza or something <laughs> that they can use against the next boss. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so yeah, they they find this beehive, they cut it down from where it is, and string it up someplace else without getting stung at all in the process. Yeah. And then they, uh, string up some beads from their clothes, uh, to lead the gangsters to where they want them to be. This is another trope. I'm sorry to keep putting pause on things here, but I've never understood this. This idea that happens in so many movies where somebody's walking through nature and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, either authentically happens where they'll walk and then it'll tear a piece of clothing off and it hangs from a branch or if they're trying to throw somebody off their scent they'll pull off like a necklace or something and place it on a on a tree as if everybody's walking around in just 
threadbare and you know uh, tattered clothes that are just gonna rip at the the slightest touch of a tiny little branch. Yeah, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Yeah. I will. I will. Like, I've never been walking in the woods and had my clothes tear on something like that. <laughs> Nor have I been in the woods and have been able to have the uh, the acute sight to go, hey, look, from that little tiny branch 10 feet ahead of me, there's a, a little leather strap with beads hanging off of it. And if I saw one scrap of a person's clothing, I still wouldn't be able to identify the person based off of that. Or what direction they went in. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and when, but when these gangsters find the beads, they're like, oh, yeah, it's like they won the lottery. They're We're so on the right, right track now. Ugh. Um, uh, but they're placing all their traps, JTT and, and Chevy are. Uh, and we get to the point where... Um, well, yeah, the the two gangsters. Oh, I, I skipped way. I, I stopped taking notes. Is what I did. Yeah, that's why I'm plan. like, wow, that that's really far ahead. Uh, yeah. So the the gangsters basically uh walk um, they're walking along and they get and suddenly they spot uh, JTT standing there with a bow and arrow and pointing it at them and they're like laughing at him. It's like, oh, he's got a bow and arrow. He's gonna shoot me with the bow and arrow. He's got the bow and arrow. Mind you, we find out later both of these guys have handguns. They could have shot this kid. <laughs> Anytime, but they're going to stand yeah. completely still and mock him. Uh, also, they pro- if they've been follow, they they know that this is Chevy Chase's kid. They know they have yeah. leverage over him if they get this kid. Yeah. If they catch that kid, but they uh, instead just stand there and laugh. JTT points the arrow at them. And I'm thinking like, okay, he's going to shoot them in the head with the arrow. Instead, he points it up, shoots it at the beehive that's hanging over their head. Uh, Chevy Chase steps out from behind a tree flings the tomahawk up but at both points i'm like those are both lethal weapons you could have shot them at the guys <laughs> seriously In- uh, and it turns out when he throws his tomahawk he throws it at the hive and it it chops it off at the stem mm-hmm. uh forcing it to fall onto the ground right in front of the gangsters and thus the hive uh starts to sting them the arrow at that point seems superfluous yeah i don't know why we needed the arrow <laughs> you could have shot one of the guys with the arrow and then done the like it's like they just they're like oh man we we really only have enough time to do one pratfall here, so let's <laughs> yeah. have both items go at one thing. Oh, uh, but they start getting stung. I don't remember how they get caught. Well, then, but then the main guy comes up behind them with his sniper rifle, oh, and right. he has caught them, and then the next thing we see is them getting stuffed into an abandoned mine yeah. that has a bunch of dynamite all over it. And then we get the uh, another line that I'm sick of hearing, at least from 90s movies, uh, not so tough now, are you? Oh, God. It's like, you know what? only say that to a corpse yeah yeah (laughs) if you're if you're in a movie and your enemy is not yet vanquished don't say not so tough now especially when you're the bad guy in the movie like unless the movie you're in is chinatown or something you're probably not gonna win yeah uh and his two goons are stuffing this uh cave entrance with uh dynamite um the thought i guess is that they're going to uh not use the guns that they have to just shoot them in the head and hide the bodies in this uh abandoned cave but to force them into the cave, blow the entrance shut, and hope that they starve to death. Yeah, basically that. And, because and nothing then, is suspicious about that. <laughs> JTT has the audacity to say, that's unimaginative. Yeah, you could fling us off a cliff instead, and then drill holes into the back of our head to make it look like an industrial accident. But it's like, you, or you could just make it look like they fell off a cliff. Like, yeah. you don't need to, like, I don't know what industry there is in the middle of the woods. Or, and then this is, <laughs> I haven't talked at all. I, I feel like I've been really good about not correlating... Uh, JTT in this and JTT on home improvement and the murderous uh, theories that surround this. But uh, in this moment, I have to just kind of draw the the correlation for a second. Okay. 
you know, yes, he says the, the power tool thing, which is, you know, interesting. But That's then the it goes. the power of tools. <laughs> what you can also do is wrap us in wet rawhide and when uh, and leave us out in the sun so that when it uh, dries, it squeezes and crushes our bones until we die and it spews out the front. It's just like, holy shit. That was vivid. That was <laughs> that gross. Was that was a Disney for movie. A, for a Disney movie, yeah. That is pure, like, you, you had to consider doing that to somebody to uh, have that in your head. Yeah, yeah, He's, th- th- that came from the heart. That was an improv, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, looks like uh, it's curtains for our uh, intrepid heroes. And they as... don't seem that upset about it. No, no, not at all, because uh, one of the guys lights a wick, and it's, uh, or a fuse, I guess you would call it, yeah. as it starts going up uh, to the dynamite, and when it gets within a foot of setting off that dynamite, what happens? An arrow flies out, and it cuts off the wick, and the dynamite doesn't explode, and it turns out, oh, it's Silent Thunder, the clown mime, who who did it, and <laughs> he starts miming a bunch of stuff, and yep. the gangsters are just mocking him, which is, I mean, that's the that's a proper response to a mime, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're just like, oh, it's just one other guy, and then up, oh, uh, but then uh, the other guy, uh, 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 whatever, Jimbo. Jimbo is up there, and he says, oh, this yeah, it's illegal to have weapons in a state park, and as a representative of the DMV, a yeah. state organization, I... Except for, I believe there is a park in uh, the Northwest, don't quote me on this, because I couldn't find it with a general internet search, but I seem to remember off of... Uh, an Unsolved Mysteries episode. Yeah. That there is a overlap. There's a park that overlaps two different states or counties. Oh. In which, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this is in, this is part of Yellowstone or something. There is a, yes. it overlaps multiple, like, district court jurisdictions. So technically you can murder someone there and it won't be illegal because there's no one who lives there who can be a part of the jury. Yes. And they can't, I guess, enforce any laws. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the big mistake. They just should have they they should just taken him there to kill him, and then and then got away <laughs> scot free. Uh, uh, but then the rest of the tribe shows up, and you know, uh, I looked away, and before you know what I assumed was going to be a gigantic gigantic uh, uh, you know shootout between bows and arrows and guns. Yeah. Um, whatever happened from when I looked down off the TV to back up to the TV the gangsters were on the ground dying and we don't really need to go into much detail about it but basically they all you know uh the kids all shoot arrows that pin one of the guys to uh, a rock and then uh jimbo swings on a vine like tarzan and knocks another guy over oh, and i then, seem to remember that yeah and then chevy chase whose leg is suddenly okay i guess rushes up to the main guy and takes a sniper rifle and knocks him over and the uh yeah the rest of the the tribe uh basically you know Chevy Chase thanks them for from for coming back and helping out and uh they lead the bad guys away to take them to get arrested the mime guy like shakes hands with Chevy Chase and leaves and then as he watches them go he's standing there with JTT Chevy Chase says one of the best lines in the movie it's just like you know Ben those are the weirdest bunch of guys i ever met <laughs> That was a good, uh, just like just like a, a, a single moment of lucidity. Just yeah, honesty, like tr- <laughs> truth in this movie at last. Um, so we go to, so we go back home uh, where JTT is uh, testing Chevy. They seem to have a better rapport now, but he's testing Chevy on his bad habits so that he can know, uh, you know, how is this actually going to work when you you know adapt to uh, living with us? Uh, yeah, you know. 
what what what's the worst you got? And he's like, well, I drink from the milk carton and put it back in the fridge. I uh, sometimes lick a spoon and then put it back in the drawer. Yeah. And uh, Chippy's like, oh, or JTC's like, well, okay, I think I can live with that. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're finishing um, the mural. Yeah, the, or the, the collage. collage with some stuff they brought back from the woods. Yeah. There's also a very quick moment in here where he, when they first walk in, Ben is giving uh, Chevy Chase shit about how little money he makes, I guess. And Chevy Chase says, yeah, well, what, you know, what you don't get in, in salary to make up for with benefits, which is going to be useful when I knock all the teeth out of your little head, <laughs> which is like, oh, 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 okay, well. Honestly, I, I wish we had a little more salty of a, a character here, you know, yeah. like, can you imagine uh, uh, a different Jack yeah. playing this? I'm talking about Jack Burton. Okay. From uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. You get Kurt Russell playing a salty, uh, car- you know, father figure. You know, guy that not meant to be a father figure that's yeah. throwing just as much shit back at the kid. Yeah, that I could do. Or if this is just more like Cop and a Half, honestly. I've never, <laughs> never in my life have I thought a movie could be improved by being more like Cop and a Half. But this movie, it could. <laughs> uh so they finish putting the stuff on the mural. They step back from it, and JTT's like, Oh my god, look what you did, Jack! Uh, and what did he do? The last piece of wood he put on it kind of makes a circle with all the other driftwood. And Farrah Fawcett, they call her out, and she comes and looks, and they all stand together yeah. in descending height order and go, And oh. she, she doesn't even need to be told. She looks at it and just knows uh, because she's an artist. And she, she can identify when, yeah. uh, when she sees the circle, the circle of life. Ah, so I'm getting, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is in this movie. Uh, yeah, and so they look at it, and then from there... That that song that you were doing is not far off from what we actually get. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> which well, is, I don't think I've actually heard uh, this song, which is Return to Innocence by Enigma, oh. since probably this movie. And, and uh, yeah, so because it has kind of these Native American vibes yeah. to it. Also, the first thing that we, the first shot we get of the wedding scene on their rooftop is of the wedding cake that has a Native American man and Native American woman figurine on top of it, wearing like leather and moccasins. Also, like Native American shit, that's what JTT's into. How come, like, what Farrah Fawcett and Chevy Chase are into it now, too? I mean, the wedding makes no sense at all. I mean, I get no sense that Monroe knows anything about uh, Farrah Fawcett or Chevy Chase. Yeah. And yet Monroe is at this wedding. Yeah, Monroe, it's seemingly no parents or anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, then it's like everybody there at the wedding, and then. And then it's as though the screenwriter was like, well, you know, these characters, like, we've grown so close to them over these past 96 minutes. We need some <laughs> some updates on what they're up to. Absolutely so, none of them interact with Farrah Fawcett at any point in this no, movie. No, not at all. Not at all. But so we get all these shots of, like, oh, yeah, si- Silent Thunder never started talking, but he still loves clowning around. And there's, like, a shot of him, like, trying to get to a seat in the aisle, and he's stumbling all over everybody. And his la- I mean, picture Rob- Roberto Benigni's uh, Oscar win when he starts getting up and standing on the seat and, like, jumping over everybody. Yeah. Like, that is what this character is doing here. He's, he's bringing his leg up over people's heads unnecessarily, so he's mussing up uh, a woman's hair at one point, just and, trying to get to his seat. And everyone is so pissed at him. Everyone is rolling their eyes like, <laughs> who is this fucking clown? <laughs> Uh, like, and, and you mentions, oh, yeah, you know, and Norm uh, is still acting like a little kid all the time. And he's, like, sitting there next to his son, Norm I Jr. Also, I mean, he has sweet moments, but I never got a sense that he was acting like... He, he if never. anything, he's acting the most adult in this movie. Yeah, no, he never <laughs> acted like a kid. It's just like, they're like, well, we need to sum up what people are doing. How do we sum up Norm's character? 
Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it really would have made more sense if he was like, you know, Norm is really bouncing back after his, his 11 year stint on the TV series Cheers. He's got a lot of great projects in the pipeline and he's going to be in the black or white video. Uh, I think the black or white video was before this. Well, then I George Wendt has an uncertain career ahead. But one thing is for sure. He has lots of fans. <laughs> um, uh, Monroe uh, actually gets a feather. Norm Jr. hands him his uh, his headdress. And um, he's like, well, I don't want this whack shit. And then uh, he just happens to be sitting next to Red Crow, who's like, you better you better recognize. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, OK, I do. And he puts it on, and uh, Red Crow gives the house sign, raises. and uh, Monroe gives the um, Black Power sign. He raises yep. a fist. I mean, I don't know what else you want to call it. It's that was a weird moment. A weird moment. Weird, weird flex. Yep. Uh, and then Farrah Fawcett shows up in her wedding dress, and uh, did I mention Farrah Fawcett's good looking? You did mention. That. Okay. Did I mention that she exudes warmth? She does exude warmth. Yes. Yeah. She walks down the aisle. JTT, he's the winning bearer and presumably the best man. Yeah. Who knows? Best boy. Uh, he does the sound for the movie. <laughs> he uh, uh, reaches in the pocket, hands the, the ring over, and uh, puts ring number two on her finger. Yep. I don't, I couldn't tell if that was her engagement ring or her previous wedding ring. I don't know why ring. she's doing two. Like, is like, that, like, in Seattle, is that kind of the, the thing? Is like, you, you, by law, have to wear every ring from every marriage you oh, own? Oh, yeah, no, people's people's ring fingers hang down because of so, how many <laughs> rings they have on there. Yeah. It seems like it might affect your work, depending on your industry. Well, yeah, that's, that's why Seattle has never really gotten off the ground <laughs> economically. Uh, and then we end with uh, some JTT voiceover giving us the moral of the story, saying, but... After all, nothing's perfect, is it? And I'm like, is that what we were supposed to learn in this movie? Yeah. And so we get that confusing moral. The camera begins pulling back and back and back and back. And at this point, I finally realize, wait, this isn't Seattle they shot this thing in. Because for a movie set in Seattle, you'd expect at least 10 million shots of the Space Needle. But as they go back further and further from the skyline, there's no Space Needle. I don't know what town this is supposed to yeah. be. There's a building that looks like a, a Space Needle. There's a building that has like a thing, like a kind of space, like the, what the head of the Space Needle looks like set on top of it. But I don't know, this has to be Canada or some shit. Yeah, I was actually just going to look that up now. Um, <clears throat> filming locations, British Columbia. There you go. Canada. Uh, yeah, so it's it's shot. Vancouver. Oh, okay, so it's shot in the, uh, in the same New York that they used for Rumble in the Bronx. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, wouldn't it be great if we just saw Jackie Chan in the background? <laughs> that every movie would be improved by Jackie Chan just being in the background. Also, Rumble in the Bronx—one like of his fights happening yeah. uh, in a very mundane scene. Guys, guys riding dirt bikes over the tops of cars. <laughs> you know, Rumble in the Bronx came out in 1995, so it's yeah, possible these right. two movies were getting made at the same Ooh, time. You're right. Mm. There's yep. the JTT uh, Jackie Chan crossover that I've never <sighs> seen that I wanted to. That really would have made sense for that movie to happen, <laughs> based on how big those two were in the 90s. Um, oh, boy. Landon, if you started watching the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when we started this podcast, yeah. right now you would almost be done with the movie. Yeah, you're you're right, and I'm hoping you're going to cut... Somehow you're going to weave your magic and move this into an hour and a half uh, long podcast. Yeah, sure, Landon. That? Yeah, yeah, no, podcast can be created and destroyed. <laughs> we, yeah. we can't possibly have an hour's worth of good content that you can't cut. I mean, I, I, I cut together a highlight reel of us recently, <laughs> and to say that we even have an hour of good content is, is excessive. 
Um, okay, well, then I'm trying to think of a, an appropriate way to, to get out of this. Uh, I don't think either of us particularly cared for the movie too much. No. Uh, I, I mean, That's... I would be fine to say it's passable and forgettable and that I'm not just the audience, but it's a problematic movie, and yeah. uh, it's not very funny. It's But it's got George Went. It's got George Went. Yeah. It's the, the single uh, silver lining of, of the movie. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything no. you want to go? No, no, we no. Didn't? No. Do you? We've covered everything, Landon. We've covered it so much. <laughs> Do you want to cover more? No, I don't. Okay. Let's start again from the beginning. So, <sighs> we start... <laughs> oh, God. We open on a shot of the Santa Monica Pier. Remember years ago when you started this this episode? <laughs> All right. This has been one of our, our fun bonus episodes at the end of season four, uh, which, you know, are brought to us. Uh, we can only do it with the support of our Patreon subscribers. And uh, if you want to help other, uh, if you want to help us create more shows like this, maybe you don't. I don't know. This has been kind this of a, a long lot. one. Yeah, yeah, This is a big <laughs> chunk of change. You you can help us uh, by considering becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over on our Patreon. Yes. When you join our Patreon and, and contribute to us, you get access to all kinds of great supplemental content, most notably our uh, bonus podcast, Gruntwork Nights, a podcast about everything but the TV series Home Improvement or the movie Getting Even with Dad. <laughs> <laughs> or Man of the House. Yeah, w- whenever we watch that. Uh, yeah, but no, it's uh, it's great. We talk about random stuff, yeah. and we tend to cap it around half an hour, so it fits into your life a little better than yeah, this shit. Yeah, a little, little bit. Uh, and if you want to do that, you can find us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. If you want to help others find this show, consider leaving us a rating review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. Uh, and when they do that, tell them what they get. Well, they get our help in getting even with Dad. <laughs> if you're having trouble doing it, we'll help you. We'll get you right there. Look, it's it's uh, there's a guy from Cheers in it. True. And it's a movie about a kid trying to get revenge on a father figure. It's the same movie. They are interchangeable. The best way to get even with dad is to bring in a brand new man of the house. Ah. Say hi to us over on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, where you can find us at GruntworkPod. Uh, and you can find more information on today's show on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. You get the grunt count, which is, uh, what was it? It was, it, was, it was zero? It was zero. Zero today. Yeah. Is that because Tim isn't in this uh, show? Uh, yeah, and also because no one really grunted appreciably. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was a grunt-free movie. Uh, but we're only counting Tim's grunts. I know. So, yeah, so still no grunt. Unless Tim Allen grunted while watching the movie oh maybe maybe yeah i bet he was at the premiere of this seems likely yeah, yeah. disney jtt yeah, yeah. Re- working that red carpet yeah yeah uh so you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and until next week when we bring you some more sweet bonus content i've been Landon solano i've been truman caps and we'll see you next week folks bye bye